Hey, Spit and Chicklets listeners, you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 127 of Spit and Chicklets, presented by New Amsterdam Vodka. Let's go around the table and say hello to the gentleman this evening. Start off with our producer down in New York City, Mikey Granelli. What's going on, guy? What's up, boys? This episode is dropping on Thanksgiving, which means tomorrow is Black Friday, which means we're doing a big sale on ugly sweaters. So buy a sweater so I can get out of this rat-infested apartment. (laughs) Mouse, mouse, mouse infested. Mouse. Talking too funny. Whitney, uh, my boy Ryan, Whitney chiming in there. What's up, brother? Where are you, where are you right now? You back home for the holiday, correct? Uh, yeah, I just drove home from working at NHL Network where we uh, show all the games on the NHL schedule every night. And it took me about six hours to get home. So uh, it's just about grinding away and doing this podcast for you know the people I love out there, all you fans. So thanks a lot. Wow. Unreal promo. And last, certainly not least, out in the desert, uh, buddy, Biz Nasty, Paul Bissonette. What is Hello, up? Hello, everybody. Hello. Still my desist from RA coming at me. <laughs> uh, really excited for this Ambien that Wit took to kick in, and shit's going to get real weird about Whoa, halfway through. No, oh, look. I haven't taken it yet. How'd you oh. know? I was going to wait till like halfway through so I wouldn't be a complete puddle by the end of it. <laughs> Although I had an Ambien episode Granali, back in the day that was a classic. Let's do it. Hey, take it right now, and let's see where this goes. Come on. All right. All right. Here we go. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, and, hold on. Listen. And we're off. Oh, you like to chew it and put yeah, it on the chew, tongue. Chew it under the tongue. Oh god! I actually, I actually heard it. Heard it. No, I, heard, I heard that if you put it in your five hole, it would just dummy you. Oh, <laughs> the hoop! Dude, Everything yeah, goes no, cold. No, yeah, I've never tried it. Next. <laughs> well, that's why those kids in uh, college were butt chugging a few years ago because you would do a shot up your asshole, and that's how you would get fucked up like that. But uh, when I used to take those bam bams, I would take like a quarter, like a half. And I would crush it on my tongue, and I'd be out in five minutes. That was the story when uh, Yans and Mole wrapped me in the, the hotel room comforter and put me in the hallway in Detroit. <laughs> I was the worst when I took Ambien. I, w- I would be out in two – it would do its job. I'd be out in two seconds. I didn't try and fight it off. Dude, anyway, sorry, boys. I'm not, I'm one time I – Oh, all right. God damn it. Your Instagram videos without them, I can't even fucking imagine. I'd, you'd be a night. You'd get kicked off Instagram if you took one of these. <laughs> hey, by <laughs> the way, try. The, the one, one time in, in Jersey, I took one and Bugsy like said I was flipping out. I was on the couch and I was like, I'm, I'm staying out of the water. Like, I don't remember any of this. And then all of a sudden I was down on the ground with a bloody nose and they had to call the <laughs> trainers in. Hey, Chris Stewart from Pittsburgh came and he's like, Jesus Christ. I was buzzing the next night though. Oh yeah, you had a good night's sleep. Like yeah, well, not really. I I have still blood all over my nose. Well, what are we talking about today, RA? Uh, Wow, there were absolutely no firings of NHL coaches during the entirety of last season. Elaine Vigneault was fired after his season ended, Uh, and we've had four coaches fired in the last seventeen days in the NHL. Uh, Two of them in about a twelve-hour span. Well, last night, which was Tuesday night. Uh, I'm sorry, Monday night. Uh, the Blues fired Mike Yo, uh, replaced him with Craig Baruby. They gave Craig Baruby the interim tag. And uh, Todd McClellan got the axe up in Edmonton by uh, a job-saving gesture, a job-saving move probably by Peter Shirelli, replaced him with the uh, retired Ken Hitchcock. Ken Hitchcock. I guess the prospect of coaching in his hometown was too much for him to walk away from, so now he's going to get a chance with McDavid. Uh, let's go to you, Wits, first. Uh, what's your take on, I guess, Hitchcock going on, coming out of retirement? 
Yeah, cra- crazy time in the NHL. And you feel bad for when people get fired. I mean, it does suck, especially when I look at the Oilers because uh, there's complaints about Todd McClellan out there and how he's done coaching. And after two years ago, they hundred and I think 102 points. They lost in game seven in the second round and so on and so on. And last year was horrible. And this year hasn't been great. But that team is just, they're built so poorly. They have the best player in the world. They have a guy who might go down to be one of the best players that's ever played. And then after Dreitseidel and Nugent Hopkins, they don't have much. I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredibly top-heavy lineup. Um, and, and Peter Shirelli, I think you're right, Ari. I think that he knows if they miss the playoffs, he'll probably get gassed. And so he tries to make a last-ditch effort. Ken Hitchcock has a lot of success in coming in and turning things around pretty quickly. He's been able to do that in his career. I just I feel for I feel for Tom McClellan. I don't know him, but the way that team was put together, you ended up. Well, you said it best, all right. For Eberle, you ended up getting what Ryan Spooner, correct? Mm-hmm. For Taylor Hall, you got Adam Larson, who is a, I would say, on a Stanley Cup winning team. You know, the third or fourth guy, and you traded the goddamn MVP of the National Hockey League for him. And it's just been so frustrating to be an Oilers fan if you are and watch how this team's been put together because it makes no sense. Uh, I know I'm rambling, but Biz, like, what is your what is your <laughs> no, no, opinion? You're bringing up a, a lot of great points, and I guess I'll start with Tom McClellan. I, I think that he got thrown a you know a, a bit of a wrench as far as the lineups concerned. Uh, based uh, <laughs> a little, little bit it, of a it was a, a monstrous like black wrench. It wasn't just a little yeah, wrench. Yeah, it was uh, like Lex <laughs> Steel type type style. <laughs> little little black dot com. Uh, don't need to go there though. You know it's my favorite site. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh boy. Um, okay, so if I can fucking actually talk RA without you jumping in with an eighties joke, uh, let's go back. That was to a good Todd. one though. Yeah, it was. It was actually half decent. Some of our guests might have gotten it. Uh, Todd McClellan, he got th- thrown a, a, a bit of a shit sandwich. I think he's going to land on his feet. I think there's going to be a few job openings next year. I think he'll be in consideration for one of them. Worst case, Ontario. Quick uh, trailer, park boy, uh, tra- trailer Park Boys joke there for you uh, Canadian fans. Um, he, he, he has one year left at $3 million, so I think he'll be okay, right? He's, he's going to be okay for Doe even if he does sit out next year. Now, Grinnell, you tweeted out you, you were kind of in shock and, and disappointed that they signed Ken Hitchcock as a coach and that you thought it was the wrong move. I'm going to completely disagree with you in a sense where it's a last-ditch effort for, for Shirelli. The perfect candidate, considering I'm guessing that Q was like, yeah, fuck, no thanks – based on the, on the lineup, where now you've got a, a coach who has been proven to be able to whip t- uh, teams into shape quick, and they don't have to uh, commit to Ken Hitchcock long-term, which is perfect for them. Yep. As an yep. organization, they give this guy – I don't know what they ended up paying him to finish off the year, but if he does end up having success and they do make the playoffs, Shirelli might stick around, and, and, and I would assume that if they do make playoffs, they maybe give him another year, a little bit of leash. And if they don't, whatever. They go back to the drawing board. Maybe they fire uh, Shirelli. They, they get rid of Hitch. Maybe they make another bid at, at Coach Q. But then they have a few other options. Like maybe they go after AV. I, I would assume at some point um, the, the Maple Leafs minor league coach, um, um, uh, Keefe, Gets gets a shake at the NHL. Sheldon Keith. Sheldon Keith. Sheldon Keith. At yeah, some yeah. point, you got to think enough with these guys and recycling these coaches. Like Dan Bowsman's name came up a little bit. The Boys Club. 
the well, boys if, club. If it's enough with recycling these coaches, then like, why would you hire bringing Ken Hitchcock? Like, you're just gonna have to get a new coach. Well, in. because yeah. you're you're not thinking like, about the long term of, of this team right now. You're thinking, how do we shelve this, this season, and who yeah. can do it now, and who don't we have to commit to long term? And also. They're three points out of the playoffs, right? And and that's because they're in the trash bucket Pacific Division. That division, it's I don't, there's like one. It was a one team over five hundred. So to be in the place they're in, that's the division you should be in. That's the division that'll give them a chance to get 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 going. If this was the Central, that's why the Blues. When we start talking about the Blues, they're in a world of hurt. So uh, qu- quickly about Hitchcock, though, I like it. And then Biz, I want you to go into why you do. Hitch, he's like a hockey like genius. Like he's he's always watching hockey. He's always trying to get better. This summer, he actually he's close friends with Andy Reid. He spent times at, at time at the Kansas City Chiefs training camp just because he's into like learning about coaching, yeah. like how to how to get through with players. So I think that even though he was retired, this guy was sitting around watching games every night, and he he was itching to get back in. I'm sure. And his only flaw I would say his shelf life doesn't last very yes. long because he's so get he, sick of him. He gets whiny and hard on his players, and that's the knock on Hitch. I think everyone's aware of that. But this is this is an organizational problem. This is their eighth head coach in two, since 2009. Is it really? So, something colossal has to t- change. Uh, All right, do you have the list of guys who, who have coached over the last couple or, or decade, I should say? Uh, I can pull it up in a, in a second here. Yeah, I didn't have it at the ready, but – yeah, Edmonton. I mean, you got to think, Paul. It's you know, it's organizationally everything points to the owner, man. I mean, he kept all those old formal former Oilers in charge, McTavish, Kevin Lowe. Those guys just really weren't good at their jobs, and he kept them around forever and ever. And you got to start wondering, like, is he the problem? And if it's the owner making all these bad decisions, then what can you do? I mean, you can't you can't shit can an owner. And I heard that the owner was the one that was all aboard. Like, we're we're taking Nail Yakupov. Um, oh, by yeah, the way. I see. By the way, Biz, you saw the video. Hey, you texted me. Biz well, text- let's, let, let's not half tell the story. So apparently they, they wanted to draft somebody else. I forget who the other option was that year. And Nail Yakupov went on a visit to Edmonton, and the owner had his kid there. And then sure enough, I think Yakupov ended up at the owner's place, and he was playing Xbox with his kid. And, like, like Yakupov's a fucking great kid. He's, yeah. he's, he's a nice kid. Yeah. And the fucking kid fell in love with Yakupov, and basically the owner was like, yo, we're drafting this guy. My kid likes him. That's how <laughs> that's yeah. how it's going down. Okay, so, so what if my kid likes basketball and he's like, and I get into hockey? He's like, no, <laughs> take take this young LeBron kid. I'm like, dude, you can't just pick someone because your kid wants you to pick him. Oh, 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 he played at NHL 13 with my kid and let him score three times. Let's let's take him first overall. And now that's the story around him. I don't, I don't know. This is secondhand material, so I don't want to get fucking chewed up for it, but. Long story short, that's what I heard. Yeah, so there you go. Another owner who meddles too much on the hockey side of things, the Jerry Jones type. I mean, look, that's why the Cowboys have sucked for so long because Jerry Jones thinks because he played at fucking Arkansas, Arkansas State 30 years ago, 60 years ago, he still should be making decisions in the modern-day game. And it doesn't work that way. And as far as hit chat, what you guys said, he's a great coach. He comes in, he cracks the whip. Typically within, you know, three to four years, this team makes a, a pretty decent playoff run. Uh, and then they get sick of listening to him and shit can him. And, you know, it's interesting. He's going to have Connor McDavid and, you know, best player, you said, what's well, the best player in the world, but he also has the rest of the roster. So if they don't stop playing well, then it, it's all going to point back to Shirelli. So it's going to be interesting, man. It's definitely an interesting hire. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people around the league were surprised by it. Under this new salary cap, boys, when you're a general manager, you have to be three, four steps ahead every time. There's a handful of GMs who, who are, are 
just like they're like savants. I yeah, mean, you have, you have you, to, I would think Poyle's at the top of the list. You, you, always yeah. calculated decisions, very smart, uh, always, always getting guys on good contracts early on. And, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'm just saying is, is they've put themselves in a lot of trouble. And in today's NHL, it, 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 it takes a little bit to build something. And if you make a couple bad moves, it's gone like that. I mean, look at how long the Buffalo Sabres were, were bad. And we're not going to get there yet because we're going to talk about them later. But finally, they put themselves in a situation where they can be relevant again. But, hey, a couple more bad moves, right back to the shit sandwich. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Yeah, but it's about planning years ahead. I, I think the best GMs are looking two, three years. And I know that it's, it's hard to say that because you're all about winning that year, but you have to be good at, all right, well, this guy's coming up then. Where is he slotting? What am I going to have to pay him? If I pay him this, then what comes after that? How's our draft class looking from two years ago? Are we going to get any prospects that we picked in the fifth round to possibly play? So it's kind of like a chess game that you're playing as a GM. And over time, if you, you, it's, it's been proven that you're, you, can be now, you can be good in this league quickly now by having good young players who aren't making a lot of money and when we get into buffalo that's a big reason right there because of these casey middle stats and all these other good players that aren't making a ton so you have to have good rookies good second year players that you drafted you have to draft well to get that and then you have to realize all right when these guys get paid we're then going to have to really rely on a new set of younger players that are cheaper and also can make a difference if you're not drafting well, developing well, you're toast. Because look when uh, Chicago was doing most of their damage. Drafts. And, well, well, drafts. And, and when, when their big boys were coming off their entry-level contracts and, or, or towards the end of their entry-level contracts and when they started their, their first, I, I don't want to say uh, bridge deal, but their first like, long-term deal where I, I believe they were making like, what, six or seven? But uh, it's, if, for an NHL GM now, it's, you, you can't buy yourself out of trouble. You make a couple bad moves, you're fucked. Yeah, pretty much. You know, and like they say, you, they're not going to fire 25 players. They're going to shit can one coach. And, you know, we're going to switch it over to Mike Yo. Uh, the Kings, they, what, I'm sorry, the Blues were shut out two games in a row, three out of four games. But, you know, I, I, was, I was looking at his stats and stuff, and, I, and you wonder if he really got a fair shot because he coached over parts of three seasons, but he only got one full season. He came in for a relief, um, ironically, of Hitchcock uh, a couple of years ago. He went 22-8-2. You know, they got second round of the playoffs. They got knocked out by a national team that did end up going to the Cup. Pretty reasonable, respectable showing. You know, last year they did choke. They come out of House of Fire, ended up gagging down the stretch the last day of the season. They could have won, got in the playoffs. They didn't. They lost. And then this year he gets, uh, what, 19 games to, to, to prove what he can do with a roster, by the way, that Doug Armstrong rebuilt over the summer, and it wasn't performing to his standards. But, you know, Mike Yo's paying the price. So it's really like he only got one real, I think, full season to, to kind of show what he could do. Not, not a hell of a lot of time, I don't think. I don't think any of this should lay on Armstrong. He's done a good job of, of building a good team. And then obviously since that one didn't get the job done, he went out last summer and, and made some solid moves in order to put him back in a decent position. Uh, regarding the coaching change, yo, unbelievable guy. I actually uh, talked to Steve Ott today. That's, he, he said, he goes, the worst part about the game is when, when you see your buddies go – uh, I think he'll land on his feet. Well-liked guy. He knows his shit. Uh, always prepared. Berube takes over. Uh, who, I mean, 
do I see him as the long-term play? No, I, I assume that they're going to go after Coach Q this summer, one of the, one of the many teams. Uh, they do have an assistant coach, Mike Van Ryan, who was actually the head coach in uh, Tucson last year for Phoenix's farm team. Extremely hardworking, one of those new school guys who I can see eventually getting a shot at the, at the NHL. Does have playing experience. He had a decent career uh, playing, so he, he, so he understands like, the, the playing aspect of it, where, like, let's say, a, a guy like Hitch, and that, not taking anything away from Hitch, winning his coach of all time, but, but maybe that's why he has a short shelf life, is because there, there's no, no relating to the guys and maybe what they're going through physically at the time. But I could see – and then, of course, Steve Ott's an assistant coach there as well. I could see Van Ryan taking over that team after this year if they can't land Q. That's, that's my opinion. I, th- I think that he's, uh, he's a very well-prepared guy. He's got kind of that new school twist on him, but yet has that old, a little bit of that old-school mentality. So that's my opinion on the St. Louis thing. Uh, I think it was time for a change just because they need to shake things up. I'm sure Armstrong's feeling a little bit of pressure, and that fucking fan base is, is getting antsy for a, for a playoff run. For, yeah, they've never won the Stanley Cup, right? Well, right, and and I think that they, they've they've been to the finals but got swept, so they've never won a Bobby Orr. That's that's true. That's, also, I, I guess I am right. Also, also, in terms of Mike Yo, he he basically like saved my life when Terrian was coaching me. Yozy was all the, always the assistant. You know, it was bad cop, good cop, and Yozy was the man. He'd shoot me straight. He'd he wasn't nearly as hard on me because I think he knew how hard I was taking it from Michelle, but. I always really got along with him well. Uh, he helped me a ton, so I, I feel bad that he got fired. But you look at the you look at the roster, and and this roster before the season, I remember thinking, I wonder what I predicted actually when we did our predictions because I thought this team was going to be good, like the Ryan O'Reilly addition, the signing of Tyler Bozak. You know, they they got Petrangelo on, on, on D, who's who's just money, um, and then the players just haven't. I mean, it's on them right now. I know it sounds crazy. You know, maybe how they were getting coaches affecting their numbers, but they can't score. I mean, Vladimir Tarasenko has six goals. Uh, I mean, that's a guy you could think of getting 50 at some point, like let alone, you know, 35. Right now he's, on, he's at six. He could get real hot, but still. And then, you know, Tyler Bozak was signing. He's got three goals. Jaden Schwartz, two goals. Uh, it, it just seems that, that they've struggled so much offensively. And with the players, when you read up and down the lineup, it, it doesn't make sense to me. So I know the coach goes first, but next, and I think Doug Armstrong said, these guys have run out of, uh, run out of real estate, you know, run, I'm kind of, they're running thin and in terms of my patience, because next it's going to, it's going to have to be a trade if, if it continues. I think one thing that hurts him is the Bowmeister contract, especially considering he's towards the end of his career, that money's going to be probably well spent uh, next summer. Um, fuck, I, I kind of drew a blank there. Biz, do you think Q really lasts until the summer? I, I, I would get that. Boozing. The, yeah, the way he's fucking partying. <laughs> now I remember what I want to ask you, Wit. I asked you about what, it, what it's like being out long-term with injuries and back-to-back. Now, uh, not, this is not a humble brag either. I've never been on a team when a coach has been fired in my, in my pro hockey you were there when Terrian got canned for Bilesma, I believe, correct? Yeah, uh, I was. What's the, what's the feeling like? I, I just want to know, like, what's the – I've had a coach go up because Bilesma was my coach in the minors when, when you were in the NHL. And yeah. we ended up getting t- Todd Reardon. Um, I remember it happened uh, 
I think we woke up to the news. We were in Long Island and we had a game at, at one o'clock against the Islanders. And I think it happened really early in the morning. Like Dan Bilesman came in, talked to us. And then all of a sudden we were at the rink. I remember it being like shock and kind of like, holy shit. Like, you know, he's gone. Terrian's gone. The bad man is gone. Uh, I think guys were excited. It was just so different. Was there champagne in the room? <laughs> when Bosma came in, it was just such a different voice, like in what he was saying and how he was saying it. It was just like night and day. We actually lost that game. Um, but then I went home because my mom at that time, she was getting, she had to get brain surgery. She was, she was sick and everything went, went great. Thank God. But I was away from the team for five days. And that's when I got the call that I got traded actually in the hospital. Oh with shit. A, really? Yeah. And, and, um, and I remember thinking like, I, I fucking outlasted him though. I outlasted <laughs> him. Like, it was like two days. Like, I think they traded me two, two or three days after firing him. But I was like, I was there longer. You go, uh, you go with a, like a badge of honor. It's you on your hockey wit. DB page. Yeah, outlasted Michelle. You go wit. You go. <laughs> the wit dog. What a last. Because my father used to say, he's like, don't worry about him. You'll be there a lot longer than he is. And then I was like, geez, that ended up being pretty close, though. <laughs> Well, Ari, you, you mentioned, too, uh, four coach changes, four coaching changes in the last 17 days. Yeah. Uh, quickly, I don't think Willie Desjardins is the long-term answer for L.A. either. That's not, I don't think that's uh, uh, any rocket Scientology was needed for that one. Uh, John Stevens' voice, we, we mentioned, it just kind of wore out. Very, very, very similar to Sutter. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think Q's going to be in the running for that job. you got to think that they got the money to pay him. And, and fuck, man, you get to live in L.A. And also, too, you got to wonder at this stage of his career, does, does he want to be in line to try to get another Stanley Cup? Is he looking for more of a project, like, you know, a reclamation type thing? All right, this team's, you know, L.A. is probably on the downslope of, of the nice yeah. cup run they had right now. And, you know, that's going to be a bit more of a challenge. Does he, or does he want a team that's better and have a better chance at a cup? That's and would, would you guys agree? I feel like St. Louis and L.A. right now are at the same place. They play a very hard, heavy game. It's a little slower compared to today's standards, and maybe it's caught up to them. I keep, I keep making excuses for L.A., and, and same with St. Louis because I like the guys and I like everyone so much, but it just seems like that's how they drafted and developed their players where it's difficult to just go in there and all of a sudden change the, the system up. And right now, they're, they're the two worst teams in the league statistically right now, the, the least amount of points. And one thing about Yo, one number that jumped out uh, at me, he's only 18 games short of 500 games coached already. I mean, he's kind of quietly amassed uh, quite a few games. You know, for the 17 opportunities he's had, he's gotten teams to the playoffs. He obviously doesn't get the opportunity this year being fired, fired and all. So like you said, Biz, it's not going to be long before – He's not going to be out of work. He'll, he'll get a job whenever he wants. And about firing coaches, I actually found an article. It's from a year ago. So uh, it was over the past 10 seasons, again, going back a year, NHL teams had fired 38 coaches, 3.8 per year. Uh, the next closest was the NBA at 30, Major League Baseball 25, and football at 19. So uh, the NHL fires coaches at a, a much uh, more rapid clip than its counterparts. And let me tell you what I think the reason is for that is where you could probably agree with me. Hockey – for the, for the most sake, it's, it's all the same systems. Like, there's little tweaks here, little tweaks there. I mean, like, okay, maybe you start the game and you're playing like a, like a, a little – like the D you're pinching in. So you're playing a 2-1-2 where the center's kind of just being a little more overprotective of that D jumping in. Uh, you know, maybe you're a little bit more prepared and have different types of face-off plays. 
uh, maybe your type of plays, you know, but, but for the most part, yeah. it's all the same. So it's easy to have a new guy come in, make some little tweaks where, I mean, fucking football, we're talking schemes, we're talking snap counts. There's so many different elements to the NFL. I would probably put the MLB um, right near where NFL is, and then basketball in, in hockey, very similar. I mean, there's a few different well, types of ba- basketball. They don't uh-oh, even listen. Uh-oh. Basketball, right. they don't listen. It doesn't I even mean, that's, that's a He's conversation the for the end of the episode. Yeah, baseball is similar, but nothing comes close to football in terms of how much a coach makes an impact. And that's, right. why, that's why football is the only sport in the world where a guy like Belichick, teams would take him over a lot of players if not every player you know what i mean so hockey's way different like you said you can't reinvent the wheel and it's all about getting the guys going and and it's also about the roster you have i mean how often do you have a good team and they just go on a run because of the coach it's just it's they get credit when teams win and and they get shit on when teams lose that's how it'll always be and they'll always be fired because it's easier that than trading the whole team which i'm sure a bunch of organizations would have loved to have done at times and, uh, I mean, it might be a good time to mention that we have Brian McGratton on today's episode. What an interview. What an interview. This awesome guy time. is the man. He's, he's got a, a couple of great Razor stories, of course. Uh, you know, we, we all miss him, and he was no one closer than him. I think they were they're pretty much best friends. Before we sent it off to him, we were kind of getting on the subject of if you're a GM and you make bad moves, it can colossally change your organization for many years to come. And I want to talk about Columbus because they've had a lot of success. Um, assuming things continue, their general manager, the Finnish guy, for, I forget his name off the top of my head, but he's, he's got a very difficult decision to make. And I, I was, this is what I'm going to throw at you guys. They have Panarin, who's going to be done at the end of this season, and they have Bobrovsky, who's as, as well is going to be done at the end of the season, correct? They're both unrestricted yep. free agents. Yep, and they both yep. haven't shown much interest in re-signing there. Exactly. Yeah, Malky and his name is. Thank you, Ari. I appreciate that. Um, but like, what what do they do? They're, like, if it, let's let's fast forward closer to the deadline, and all of a sudden they're still leading their division. Like, they, do you do you try it. to make that run for it? And maybe add somebody and 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 go for, go for a run and and yep. or do you do you flip Panarin and do you fit, flip Bobrovsky because they have a decent young group of guys there like I think they're going to be a decent relevant team for for a good four or five period uh, year stretch yeah that is if they can replace Panarin and Bobrovsky who I would be shocked if they're wearing Columbus uniforms next year so like you're saying they have to think now this is where being a GM is so hard because there's so many different factors that go in in thinking, all right, we want to try to win the cup. We're in the first place in our division right now. We're playing great. We have this team. We have this talent. We have a goalie who can show up. I mean, in the playoffs, it's been sketchy. But they also think, all right, if we're going to lose these guys, we can't lose them for nothing. And even if you hold on to them and trade their rights before, you, you, you don't get what you could get if you trade them. You, you know, the, the trading for the rights thing, you're not going to get what, what you need to replace them. And I don't know if they can sign, you know, I don't think a, a big agent, big free agent is going to be signing in Columbus. That's just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. But because of that, with the fan base there who just want a winner, it's really hard to tell a fan base, hey, we're in first place, we're trading our two best players. Because they're think, the, the, the fans don't see, yeah, we can't lose it for nothing. The fans see, what do you mean? We're trying to win the cup this year. So it's balancing a fine line and, and making decisions, sticking to your guns, and knowing that if you were wrong, uh, it's going to really come back and just be terrible for you. Yeah, I guess it's going to come down to the time, like right before probably the deadline in, in making a, a game-time decision. But 
I mean, even if they are tearing it up, man, you're, you're basically in a situation with like Don, John Tavares. They got nothing to lose him. They could have got probably a first rounder at the deadline if they would have dealt him to a, com- a, a, a competitor. Especially they were like out of it. I mean, they, right, you know, right. They, That's a different scenario. Yeah. But to me is you say, are we strong enough to actually make a run? I don't think they're deep enough to beat off those top tier teams. I think you can flip them each for a first rounder. And then as well as a prospect, man, I, I think you got to trade and look a little bit for the future. I don't think the window for them is right now. I think they should get rid of those guys. And especially when, when they're of value. And and that's me. And as a Columbus fan, yeah, I get why it would be frustrating. But fuck, yeah. dude, you you got you got Seth Jones and Warensky who are are still in stride to hit their prime in a few years. That you're looking like a you're looking like kind of like a Nashville situation. You want to get some young studs up front to match that solid back end. I mean, the, the only yeah, the only problem is though is, is I don't know how good their backup goalie and how good their how deep they are. All right, do you know anything about their bat their 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 goaltending situation coming up? Or do you, and and of course, like Witt said, you can't get any high end free agents there. Uh, I'm not sure. I forget the backup of the top of my head. But what I was going to say, Biz, I think they have a better shot at signing um, Bobrovsky than they do Panarin. I mean, just reading the tea leaves on Panarin, man, he's out of there. He's yeah. not coming back. And and you know, like I say, it's it's tough. You're they're in. Let me see. Uh, Seventh overall in points, and, and you, you don't want to part with you know the best player in your team, but at the same time, you, you don't want to lose them for nothing. That that's something that you know we're going to keep an eye on because if they start fading in the standings, then they may want to uh, dump them at that point. I'm sorry, I'm just looking for the goalie. The, uh, well, when I was going to say, like, if they don't sign Bobrovsky by the deadline, like what what do you do? Um, well, I mean, I would look to. I'm kind of with you. I I kind of agree with you in the fact that. As a fan, I, I want to do whatever it takes to get a cup uh, contending team, right? So, like, that's why t- t- people like root for their teams. Like, and I understand that you're always going to root for your team. But if I was a team like Detroit right now, I'd be like, God, like, they're going to end up like playing good like they have been and probably finish like just miss the playoffs. And then we don't get like a high pick, which is what we need. It's like, if you're not competing for the Stanley cup. It's like, do you, you kind of want to finish last place. And and, and it's, it's very short. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not easy to do because you know, your team's going to stink for a little bit, but that's how you're going to get great and possibly win cups is through the draft and getting high picks. So the teams like Columbus who constantly, you know, make the playoffs occasionally miss. It's just, it's really hard. So if you have this stud and you're going to lose them for nothing, it makes no sense to me to try to trade them. And by the way, if you're going to trade them, you should trade them tomorrow because every day you wait, is the less you're going to get for him. Because if a team gets him now, they get him for, you know, three quarters of the season. A team gets him at a deadline, they get him 20 games. What are you willing to give up more for? Well, I would, I would disagree with that a little bit just based on the fact that what if a team has a, a second-line center go down? Like, let's say, like, Nashville does. And Nashville's like, you know what? We've set ourselves up where this is our window. And like, I'm just throwing our name. Like, let's say Turris goes down, right? All of a sudden, you're you're humming, and you're going to need that, or you've basically just burned another year. Yeah. Let's let's give up a first rounder and maybe a, a solid prospect, and now we got a, a, another legitimate forward to to help us out. I I'm, I'm just saying, if if I'm Columbus, I'm more worried about the next five years and staying relevant. Like a, for like a team like Nashville, who's done it every year, they have a wagon where you're like, wow. They've set themselves up nice for a big period of time where if you lose Panarin and Bobrovsky for nothing, you've hooped your organization. Shout out to after the game in Toronto on uh, Tuesday night or Monday night. 
they were up two nothing. They ended up losing four two. Torts was heated after. He's calling it like pee wee coverage on the Hyman winning goal. It was just <laughs> classic Torts. He looked so furious. Like the camera panned to him, and he already just looked pissed. And then he just answers. He's like pee wee coverage. Unbelievable. Speaking of, speaking of that uh, Toronto game, uh, Wit, you got a shout out because you mentioned that Marlowe, his uh, he, he he they're not making his skates anymore. And apparently, where did I get a shout out? On the Leafs broadcast. Did I? Oh, I forgot to text you because a bunch of people sent me messages. So they were talking about how Marlowe's skates are wearing out. They ha- he, he wears a certain kind of skate. I believe it's a CCM 4000. No, it's old Reebok. Old Reebok. Well, guess what? He's got two pairs and boxes left. Oh, I don't know how quickly he turns around skates. If he's anything like Duncan Keith, he'll be fucking skating on his rivets in playoffs. And, <laughs> and I wrote something down in my notes. I'm like, could you imagine – that this guy is skating on, like, shitty skates in playoffs and they're in game seven of the Stanley Cup finals and his fucking rivets give way and that's why Toronto lost the Cups because they didn't have enough old-school Reeboks for fucking Patty Marlowe and that's the way he's got to end his career because they don't have his skates anymore. Isn't it crazy, too, to think about, like, this is the highest level in the world. It's, it's a it's a billion – I mean, I don't know. Is, it, is the NHL a billion-dollar industry? Yeah, know, five right? billion a year. All right, that so- was like- years ago billion dollar industry right and this guy who is one of i mean all-time greats is a little aggressive but i mean he's probably going to be in the hall of fame with his numbers so he legit can't get skates like think about that like that somehow there's no more skates for him from this company this company couldn't have made like 500 pairs for him at that point it's just it's crazy to think that this guy who's this good in the nhl is like Shit, maybe like if we call around to old some old play it against sports, they got some old ones that no never were worn. Yeah, well, wit when they were gonna discontinue those, I bet you he bought fucking two hundred pairs. Yeah, but remember he's why didn't four. he get? He should have got like he should have got enough where he knows he would never run out. I don't know. Maybe the factory workers are like enough. Let me go home. Um, Biz Yo- Jonas Corpusalo uh, is the backup in Columbus. He's been struggling a bit this year. He's uh, uh, got some ugly numbers, but he was a third round pick. I think they do have you know organizational plans to keep him, but I don't think he's a guy you want to leave the keys to the kingdom to quite yet. So, oh, yeah, I like, like that little saying there. Hey, you like that, huh? So, yeah, um, it's, it's going to be right. interesting to see what they do. But uh, you were just talking about Nashville a minute ago, and one of the great fighters in that team's history, Brian McGratton, uh, we have him coming up right now. So we're going to uh, send this to Brian McGratton. This interview is brought to you by Eagle Energy Caffeine Inhaler. You guys know what it is. We're going to give you guys 40% off for Black Friday across the whole entire website. Eagle Energy is a caffeine inhaler pen for athletes and busy people, people on the go. Um, There's no crash. All natural plant-delivered flavors, no sugar or calories, gives energy boosts, improves cognitive. Gives energy boosts, improves cognitive performance, focus, and mood. Top athletes in the MLB and NHL have posted about how they use Eagle Energy. They were voluntary, non-sponsored posts. Uh, you Darvis actually posted about Eagle Energy, found out about them randomly, and was all about it. That's Eagle Energy Caffeine Inhaler, nicotine-free, about 20 to 25 inhales per serving. Gets you a, ni- a nice little uh, energy kick with no crash. Uh, it's better than drinking coffee. You don't want that gut rot. Uh, you don't want to be shitting your brains out all morning um like Grinelli does at the barstool offices and then doesn't fucking courtesy flush what a piece of trash uh but that's eagle energy guys 40 percent off biz 40 promo code for the for the black friday weekend let's just run it across the whole weekend 
Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Uh, I know there's a Cyber Monday. So Eagle Energy, you can ask them any types of questions on social media at My Eagle Energy on Twitter. And then, of course, My Eagle Energy on Instagram. Shoot them a DM. They got tons of cool uh, stuff going on. So make sure you reach out to them for any other questions. That is Eagle Energy Caffeine Inhaler, 40% off, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Put that in your fucking pipe and smoke it. I want to introduce a first-time guest to the podcast, a very, very special human being. He was drafted to the NHL in the fourth round of the 99 NHL entry draft by the Los Angeles Kings. A little fun fact for you guys. He ended up playing uh, a really decent amount of games, 317 NHL games total, where he really stands out was his penalty minutes. And by that, I mean fights. One of the toughest NHL players to ever do it. Welcome to the podcast, Brian McGratton. Uh, what's up, boys? Congrats. What's going on, buddy? Not much, man. Just uh, enjoying some nice weather in Calgary. We had a snowstorm last week, and it's pretty nice today, so you got to enjoy the weather when you can here. <laughs> well, I, I, well let's, I guess we'll talk about how you ended up on the podcast. You were down in Calgary checking out one of the Flames' prospects who plays university hockey at the – I think he plays for ASU, correct? ASU, yeah. We got a draft pick. Uh, one of our fourth-round picks was uh, plays down at ASU. I'm actually pretty jealous of him. I don't oh, get jealous of a lot man. of people, but I'm like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's, whoa. Heck. Hey, whoa. Uh, Dude, and, I don't think you know how good this is, bro. And, and when I ended <laughs> yeah. up scrolling into the arena – there was Mario Lemieux in the back section and also you. And I was thrilled to see A couple legends, it. eh, Ben? A couple, couple legends. legends baby. Yeah. I don't think anyone <laughs> even was looking at Lemieux. I think they were just all looking at us. <laughs> yeah, I know. A couple of the old mutants <laughs> put on a show for the boys. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, go ahead, Whit. No, I was just going to ask um, – Last year was your first year uh, away from the game. Um, you'd played the year before for the Nottingham Panthers. But I wonder, what did you do with the, the first year away from hockey? Uh, did you hop right into work? or I know you're, with, you're doing stuff for the Flames now. Just kind of go into what it's been like since retirement. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been awesome. Um, you know, when I was playing in England, um, you know, kind of the telltale sign for me was – you know, put my gear on. My my family left like with like six or seven weeks ago in the season. I put my gear on the last month. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing right now? <laughs> right? And I've never, ever felt like that before, you know, playing the game. And that was kind of the telltale sign for me. That was time. Um, and then when I retired, um, you know, I had a kind of a, you know, bunch of ideas about what I want to do. I was trying to, you know, meet as many people as I could in Calgary, um, I mean, I've been so focused on playing hockey since I was able to skate and on making it playing in the NHL. I didn't really uh, have a lot of time to do anything else. Like, I didn't have many other interests. So over the course of the last couple of years before I retired, I was trying to meet as many people as I could and all that stuff. And kind of didn't really know what I wanted to do. And uh, Brad Tree Living called me. Uh, we talked in the summertime and. Uh, went in for a meeting with him and Brian Burke, and they offered me a position in the player development uh, department. That was lost uh, over a year ago now. So uh, to have the opportunity to jump right back in the game, uh, you know, it was uh, 
you know, kind of a dream come true to, to, to kind of get right back in at the highest level. So, I mean, it's, a, it's been a really good year, um, you know, working with our kids and draft picks and guys in Stockton. Um, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Congrats. So how do you think you would have done not being around the game anymore? I mean, you said you were talking to buddies in Calgary. Like, what would you have done? Maybe like oil and gas or something like that? Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I probably, you know, would have taken, you know, six or seven months and just kind of chilled, um, hung out, and, you know, enjoy some family time and time that we never really had before. Um, but yeah, maybe something, you know, that's a real big industry in this town, right? So maybe something in, in that. I don't know. Like I told you, I don't know. I don't know what I was interested in. That was that was going to be a new uh, thing for me, you know. And it is for a lot of guys that retire. I mean, you guys are both retired. You know, it's, uh, you know, when you get into your mid-30s, you can see the day, you can see that it's coming, right? So, I mean, you can't play forever. And, um, you know, uh, you see, you can see your time coming. It's it's a bit of an unnerving feeling because people in the normal world and have normal life don't retire at thirty five, right? <laughs> so oh, exactly. Um, and then know, all of a sudden they're like, hey, man, go, yeah, they're like, yeah. go go do something you you've never prepared for in your life. Now, uh, since you you have such strong ties to Calgary, was that probably your, the funnest place you've ever played? Like that that's the the holy yeah, like, career. Yeah. Calgary, you know, it was always, you know, I played in two Canadian markets and it's awesome playing in Canada because hockey's number one. The NHL team is the biggest thing in the city. And, um, you know, especially in Calgary, they really a loyal fan base here. You know, the Sea of Red stuff's really cool at the games. And, um, but uh, probably the coolest place I played was Nashville. I loved it. Um, you know, I got picked up on waivers after a training camp there. And sometimes with those teams, you don't play a lot. You're like, yeah, how good could this place be? Like, I only played there maybe, you know, because back in the day when you only played team once on the road and once at home, kind of get in the night before and you're out after the game. My agent called, like, Nashville picked you up on waivers. I was like, oh, how good could this place be? And it was sick. <laughs> like, you know, and it was just when that, when their fan base was starting to get crazy like it is now, like it was in 2011, 12. And that was when, like, 2-2 two, two was there. Tutu, they yeah. fucking loved. Yeah. He's a he could loved be the fucking him. mayor there. Oh, but he was uh, he was man. <laughs> you know, they played the tutu train every time he ran yeah. someone. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was sick, man. And uh, like I, you know, it was like a real cool place to play. I mean, like the city's awesome. The fan base is sick. Um, so you know, I've been fortunate to play in a couple places that I really loved. Uh, so yeah. Did you get to uh, meet any uh, rock stars, country singers, when you were playing there? Um, they were they were just starting to come to the, a lot of the games, like you know Keith Urban. Was and, uh, was that Nickelback guy around? That Chad Kroger? Because I heard a f- couple funny stories from Vern Fiddler about that guy. Oh yeah, I didn't see him. I didn't see him. Um, but yeah, they were starting to come, and then like if you you know when they did their cup run there, they're like those guys are going to games and singing at them and stuff. That's pretty cool to watch. Hey, uh, before we get into one of my most memorable memorable years playing hockey, two thousand four, two thousand five, where you uh, you had an immediate impact on on my career in pro hockey, if you w- wouldn't believe it. But before I get into that, 
I'm looking right now. You played for seven seven teams in the OHL. Can you explain to me how that's possible? <laughs> yeah, that is the biggest so, suitcase in junior hockey history. Oh fuck, man! So I was an underage to Guelph. I got traded to Sudbury, and uh, I was there for like a year and a half. And I got traded to Mississauga. So I'm on three. I played for three teams in four years. And I played for Don in Mississauga, and it was, like, the coolest thing, right? Like, Don oh, Cherry was a coach GM. And, oh, yeah, he was a beauty, man. And, uh, you know, being an 18 and 19-year-old kid, and Don flying around the rink all the time. And, you know, he's motherfucking the coaches on the or the refs on the bench. And stuff. It was like, you know, Grace is our coach, man. So it was a really cool thing playing for him in Mississauga. I had a, I had a uh, I missed like a whole year when I was my 19 year old year with an ACL injury, and then when I got uh, I went back as an overage, and I got traded um, like my first week of the season um, to Owen Sound uh, for Mississauga, and um, you know Owen Sound I don't really count them because I was there for like a week. I, was, I told like <laughs> my agent like this place is fucking awful. You got to get me out of oh, here. Oh, it's right? br- it's, and, a, that's so it's terrible. I there. Yeah, so it was it was brutal, and uh, so I got traded back to um, my coach that had me my underage year in Guelph as a coach in in Oshawa, and uh, I got traded there, um, and I was there for a couple months, Um, and then I got traded at the deadline to Sault Ste. Marie. I'm like, holy fuck, man! Like, you know, my 19 year old year, I have like a year uh, a year ending injury. Um, at the time, that's when the signing bonuses were really big. Um, yeah. And I was still LA's property. I was playing with Spez in Mississauga. I had 20 goals in 29 games. Like basically what? 20 tap ins because fucking Spez you scored would 20. undress the whole. I had Jesus, 20 goals in 29 games. Oh, yeah, that's on the stats wow. there, big boy. Throw up the, the DB. Yeah, check that Anyways. one out, Biz. Whoa, whoa. Yeah. You had a 20 no. talk I, I got mesmerized yeah, by I all do. the zeros. In 31 games, yeah. dude, he had 21. Yeah, in 31. Off. So, you know, and, and at the time of my injury, I was just starting to talk with L.A. about contract. And that's when the contracts, they're a lot bigger than they are now. That's oh, yeah. You, you probably would have got like a – One million one, or 800, yeah. 700, 400, whatever. So I was just devastated. I had that knee injury and they didn't sign me. I was like devastated. They go back as a 20-year-old. I'm still kind of in the dumps. I'm coming back. I've missed almost a whole year. And you know what it is. You know, I was an underage. I'm an overage. I'm like, holy fuck. I'm, I'm getting traded team to team here. You know, I got traded at the deadline to the Sioux. And I told my parents, I'm like, I'm fucking done, man. Like, I, I, I can't, you know. <laughs> this isn't going the way yeah. <laughs> you know, I wanted. But, you know, like. And I was just so down on myself and down. And I ended up calling the Sioux and say, listen, like, I appreciate you guys trading for me. I'm not coming, man. Like, I just, you know, I'm done. Like, this, is, this has been a tough year. It's been a You're tough year and a half. You're close, eh? And uh, Ray Emery and Trevor Daly and Jeff Carter were on the team. And all three of those guys uh, called me. Um, and Razor called me. And he's like, Grats, listen, we got to – Unreal group of guys here. Are, the, the Sioux is in first place. He's like, we're in first place. We're hopefully can make a run at it. And you're going to live with me and all this stuff. I'm like, ah, fuck. I'm like, Razor's from, we didn't really know each other before then. He, I'm like, fuck, Razor's from like KU. It's like half an hour set of Hamilton. I'm like, you know, he sounds kind of cool on the phone. And, you know, whatever, I'll go. So uh, anyways, get, I go to the Sioux and, and kind of finish the year off there. And um, Ray was my, my roommate. 
And he, like the first couple of weeks I was there, he signed with the Sens. And then later on that summer, I got like a last minute, basically to fill a spot on Ottawa's rookie camp roster. And uh, I, I fought in junior, but I was like, you know, I was kind of a bitch in junior. I, <laughs> I was scared. I didn't like, you know, like I had big guys like John Erskine was like a killer Wait, in junior. He's I, I want to chime in here quick. You were not. <laughs> what was I? You, hey, you, 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 you speared me in the nuts one time when I was in North Bay. And I said, hey, don't spear me in the nuts as the whistle went. And he turned around and looked at me with his fucking 6'4 body, however big he is, 220 pounds, grizzly beard. He looked like a fucking lumberjack. And he looked me so I wasn't tough back then. I he, can honestly, I played the role like I was, but I wasn't. I can he he fucking stared me in the eyes. He put a stick out in front of me like Odie Ordertorp, like he was going to carve out my eye. He goes, and his, he, he go, I go, don't stick me in the nuts. And he goes, I'll stick in your fucking face. And I fucking shit my pants and I skated to the bench and I was like, do not put me on the ice against that guy ever again. So sorry to chime yeah, in. But then story, I have but... guys like, you know, John Erskine needs to chase me around all the time. I'm well, yeah, he's a tough there were a lot of tougher guys and like, you know, like Brett Kluchers and Kings. And I wouldn't fight those guys because I was like, I didn't, you know, I wasn't good and I, and I wasn't like, no, I knew I was big. I didn't really know I had it in me. And in junior, everybody thinks we're goal scorers and all this yeah. shit, right? You don't really know what you are. I didn't really ever picture myself being a, a enforcer fighter or whatever. So I get this well, trial with the Sens. I'm like, oh, sick. I'm going to be with Ray in Ottawa and Spez, who, like, I played with when he was, like, 16. We're, like, all, like, good buddies. I'm like, oh, sick. And uh, so I go to the Sens camp, rookie camp. I'm like, fuck. Bigger guy. I'm like, I'm going to have to do something to to – to stick around here. And that's when our role was very appreciated, not like it is now. And, uh, you know, I went to that rookie camp. I had like four or five fights and I basically fought every game. Didn't win much, but I kind of showed them that I was willing and uh, signed an East Coast League American League deal and kind of just moved on up from there. <laughs> so... Well, yeah. so that brings me that that brings me into uh, my life in turning professional and the lockout shortened lockout canceled season of oh four oh five, where we played you guys. I want to say like maybe nine times, and then we played you in the first round. Spezzo was quite possibly the best player to best season ever in the AHL. I've never seen someone dominate hockey like that guy in the AHL that year. Oh yeah. He was sick. Yeah. He was sick that year. <laughs> he was so sick. And there you were scaring the absolute shit out of our entire team in Wilkes-Barre. 551 PIMS. That's insane. Fights against 551. I don't think I've ever seen 500 on a, on a, on a guy's hockey DB. And you were threatening. Uh, that was a lot of work that year, boy. <laughs> <laughs> How many scraps do you think you had? 40? I had 40. It's on, uh, I think, hockey fights. I think I had 43 oh my or God. 44 or somewhere. 43 or 44. Heavyweights <laughs> in that league that year. Oh, dude. That, well, that's how I got better, like, in that role, was I found the guys that I fought in the American League for three years were tougher than the guys I fought yep. in the NHL. Because the guys here, in the buddy. American League, they, they, they just, you know, they, they weren't good enough to play in an NHL game. Nope. They were super nope. fucking tough. And I played in that Eastern Division, which was oh, insane, <laughs> with Syracuse, Albany, Wilkes-Barre, Rochester. Like, Rochester had Sean McMorrow, Brandon Sugden in, in Syracuse. Uh, Albany had Rob Skirlock, Brad Tuluche, Cam Jansen. 
Um, so every team back then, Hartford had um, Hartford had uh, who did they have? They oh, had man. There Garrett so Burnett, many guys. Garrett Burnett, Richard Scott, and Christoph Oliwal. Oh, right. God. So I'm like, <laughs> and it's me and Dennis behind me. We're in, in Binghamton, which is which and, is not uh, a bad guy to have because he he yeah, and I was hungry like, then. He'd go anywhere. You know, and, and with with Dennis, Dennis is the main reason I made it to the NHL, and I always credit him for it because when I fought in the minors, it's a lot different than fighting a 17 or 18 year old in junior. You know, you're yeah. fighting guys that are 26, 27, 28. You know, that have fought in the West Coast League and the East Coast League and all these real tough lower leagues that made it to, the, to the American League. And you know, they're pumping guys in the American League, and now I'm fighting these guys and I'm getting fucking licked. Like I am getting pounded. And, you know, Dennis is always teaching me after practice, teaching me about confidence. When you have a bad loss, you have to get right back in the next game and go and fight somebody. And, you know, he taught me for like a year and a half. And if it was not for him, I would have never, ever have excelled in that role um, like I did. And I, you know, I fought, you know, 20 or 22 times each of my first two years and got the shit kicked out of me in 90% of them. Really? And kind of a turning point. Kind of a turning point in my career was in Bridgeport. Wade Belock's brother played for Bridgeport, and he kicked the shit out of me every single time I fought him. Every single time I fought him, he beat the fucking wheels off me. And I said to the boys, "Boys, I'm gonna go this motherfucker tonight. And if he fucking beats me, I am fucking done with this fucking role." Right, and I tied the fucking son of a bitch, and <laughs> I had so much confidence after that fight. In my second year, I just kept getting better and better and better. That's and awesome. then I was a madman my third year. The and third year, was, <laughs> the third year yeah. was. Do you remember how much shit you talked to Michelle Terrian? Oh my God, he would have our that whole guy team. Might, he might, he might come back and kill me. If there's one person in this planet that would want to grab a gun and shoot me it's michelle tarion oh this got verbally <laughs> abusive to the oh, extreme it, oh, it was yeah. oh but how did you it know, all start i saw somebody on your old team not too long ago and they brought that up they're like bro i have to so how did this oh, all start you used to give it to michelle tarion every every game i gave it to him like how every starting game and i would get like you know how coaches kind of say calm if you chirp him and whatnot this guy would full-on run to, like, the end of the bench and be motherfucking me. And it got to the point where i just look at him and smile, and he'd lose his shit. I can remember this clear as day. Clear as day of seeing you. You'd, like, wink at him and shit. Oh, and he'd go fucking wild, yeah. Gratz, why? Know, just, how did that all start? You know what? I don't even know how it started, but it was so long ago, I forget how it even started. Dude, we had but battles man, that year. We had battles. And, yeah, and plus, you played teams like we played yeah. Wilkes-Barre 10 times. We played Rochester 10 times. We played Syracuse 10. Like, you didn't leave your division. And, you know, by the third year, like, it's like the 40th time you're playing Wilkes-Barre, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, that poor David Kochi on your team, I give it to, you know, I give it to him because he's got, he's got big Pounded him every time. But I, I would pound him every time, and you know what? And, and it would never fail. The next day, we, the next game we played fucking Wilkes-Barre, he'd fucking chase me. That's fucking goal, all right? Yeah, boom, he was boom, a Remember how bad his breath was? Because he used to eat sand uh, all the time. 
Oh, just you remember that win? No. Nobody ever be like, don't go near him, man. He's been crushing salmon again. Oh, he breathed on you and he'd melt your face. That's how I got this nose. <laughs> Melted off my face. Talking to David Kochi with salmon breath. <laughs> you know, it's like a, a hot yeah. candle. Big Earn, before we go any farther, I just want to remind everyone that this interview is brought to you by Trip Actions. There's a reason that half of business travelers do not use their company's chosen travel management platform. Booking business travel and just getting where you need to go is still ridiculously outdated, time-consuming, and costly. It's painful. TripActions takes the pain out of corporate travel management with a complete solution that helps businesses save and keep employees and keeps employees happy because it's the first travel management platform designed from the ground up with the road warrior in mind. Road warriors, a warrior like you back in the day with Calgary. With easy booking from app or desktop, 24-7, proactive support around the globe, and incentives for employees to save on travel expenses, companies large and small see over 90% adoption and save up to 34% on travel spend when they use trip actions. Trip actions rewards travelers for saving company money and they'll reward you just for checking them out. Reshape business travel at your company today. Go to tripactions.com slash chicklets, attend a 30-minute demo, and you'll get a $100 Amazon gift card. hundred bucks. Thanks for coming. But it's this month only. Tripactions.com slash chicklets for a free demo and a $100 Amazon gift card. Tripactions.com slash chicklets. Oh, my God. So you move on, right? And after that season... Like, did you know you were going to be like, was that like, I'm going to play in the NHL now. I mean, I, I'm, I'm the toughest well, guy in the league or did you still think no way? My, my thought on the whole thing was because Toronto used to bitch the Sens and the, like embarrass them in the playoffs. If you don't Tucker and Domi and, oh, yeah. you know, and it got really, really bad how much they used to abuse the Sens. And I figured like going into this year, you know, there's no other hockey than our league. If I'm like super fucking crazy, <laughs> then I got a hundred percent spot there next year, right? That was my mindset. I'm like, I'll be like a fucking just an animal this year and fight everybody and just do stupid crazy shit. Then they're gonna have to take me because the fans. Nobody, you know, these guys just get abused by the Leafs every time, right? And kind of my my kind of moment to kind of make NHL. Like I was still in the hotel. Like I made, obviously I made the team out of training camp and um, I was still in the hotel and we played the Leafs and um, I fought Ty and I beat Ty and I didn't really think anything of it, but I was the fucking king of that town. I didn't ever, you know, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it really as, as, but it was such a huge thing for that fan base that somebody beat the shit out of the Leafs because they used to abuse that team so bad. And then I had uh, the little, that letter you get, the housing letter was in my little cubby hole the next day to get my... Oh, no my way. Yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, so that was kind of... Yeah, so... Um, that was well, some people listening won't know what that means. Is like when basically when they tell you that you're going to stick around, they give you a housing letter. That means you're going to be... I think when they give you that, now they're on the hook for paying for your place if they were to send you down, which yeah. means no, they're going to give you. It's a, you know, it's a huge thing to get because, you know, I was in the hotel. You're still kind of on the cusp of on the team. And usually on a training camp, there's usually a couple guys at the hotel, right? Because the team, you know, you made the team out of training camp. There could be a couple injuries. That's why you're there and all. You know, a bunch of different scenarios and why right. you're still at the hotel. 
and he could still go down and all that stuff. So it's a huge thing to get is that housing letter. And um, so I had that letter in my stall uh, the next day after I fought Ty. And it was like so cool to fight him because like I grew up a Leafs fan and I love Ty Domi. And, um, you know, to beat him was like, like it was a big honor to me. And I, did, I, you know, I, and I was never one for showing up, you know, showing guys up after fighting, celebrating all that stupid shit. And it was just such an honor to fight him. And then, you know, I beat him, but everybody loses. Um, it was just so cool to do that because of where you know, I grew up just outside of Toronto and all that stuff. Oh, he's a legend. He, he leads the he leads. Yeah, when he got traded to the Leafs, man, like, you know, me and my buddies growing up, we had, like, so many VHS tapes of fucking hockey fights. We had, like, so many hockey fight tapes and, you know, tied Probert fights and, you know, you know we love the, love the fighters, man. So it's kind of cool to get to fight guys I grew up watching. <laughs> um. So that was my biggest fight probably I've ever had was that one, for sure. Uh, Gratz, I, this is a tough subject. Uh, Razor, I played with him. I yeah. I mean, do, do you want to talk about him? Because I, I, yeah, 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 I feel yeah, like he was, yeah, he was the to, I'd like to talk Every, about him. Yeah. Everybody knows him, you know, obviously with the, the stuff, the fun stuff in Ottawa, you know, when, when during playoffs, that crazy run one year. But, like, just deep down, the fucking man. Yeah, and you know, like um, we we've been you know best friends for almost twenty years now. Like he's in my wedding party, he's in Spez's wedding party. We were roommates in, in the Sioux. We were roommates in Binghamton, and we were roommates in Ottawa. Uh, you know, we hung out all the time, uh, and um, you know, it's just uh, you know just getting that call from a buddy at home. I was like, man, what the fuck? Like it was just like. Um, it was shitty, man. I've never had anybody close to me die. So it was a real, real tough uh, to go through that in the summer. And um, I thought the Ottawa Senators was pure class the other night of the, the tribute video they, they put yeah. together of him and Keisha going out to sing and stuff. I thought that was really uh, classy of them. And, you know, he was a larger than life figure when he played there. And, uh, and one of the toughest motherfuckers, man. That guy didn't gonna fight ask you that. goalie gear on. <laughs> oh if my he didn't God. have goalie gear on, he would have been a top 10 heavyweight in any league. Like, he could throw him, he could throw both. He loved to fight. I mean, there's a couple. Of, I saw one on YouTube. He was fighting Josh Gratton, and he's smiling the whole time. They're going toe-to-toe. Um, in that tribute video, he was fighting Andrew Peters. He's taking shots in the cheek, and he's laughing at the guy. Like, you know, he's <laughs> Dude, he was fighting heavyweights. He was fighting heavyweights with goalie gear on. Heavyweights. Like, he wouldn't, you know, if a a skilled guy skated through the crease, he wouldn't care. If a heavyweight skated through the crease, he'd give him a fucking shot. What the fuck are you doing? You want to (laughs) go? So, I mean, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I have a lot of wicked memories, uh, you know, with him and and him and Spaz. Like, we were like brothers when we played in Ottawa's organization. We all lived together in, in Binghamton. And, uh, and then we had the do we all play together in, in Ottawa and had that deep cup run. And, and uh, he was a big reason. He was one of the main reasons we made that far because how good he played in the playoffs. But, I mean, yeah, it's just uh, shitty. I mean, but that's, um, you know, it's life. Shitty things happen. And, uh, you know, he was uh, an amazing friend from one of my closest buddies. And, you know, it's a guy I'll never, ever forget. And, He's one of the main reasons I, I, I had a career, too, because he was the guy that called me to come play and live with him. No shit. And then he became one of my best buddies. And, you know, I have a lifetime of memories of him. And, 
and uh, you know, I'm just really honored that I had the chance to to meet a person, to meet a guy that we became so close to me and play with a guy. And, I mean, you know, we all have our friends outside of hockey, but when you have one of your best friends that you play with, it's a it's a you know, it's a real special relationship when you, you're playing with your best buddy and they're on your team, they're a teammate and all that shit. And you do, you know, crazy shit together off the ice and fucking yeah. on the ice. It's the best. Fucking brawls and all that shit, right? So I'm just really glad I had the opportunity to do all that stuff with them. Hey, uh, Gratz, the So here's a funny story about Razor. So um, he, he always used to have that Louis Vuitton wallet. It was always really so it was like It was like a fucking football he used to carry it around. <laughs> It was, it was like a murse. It was a murse. Yeah, I'd always chirp them. Yeah, it was like a, like, like a, it was like a, the size of a little girl's clutch, but it, <laughs> yeah, but it was man. even longer. So he was yeah. he always put it in his back pocket, and it would stick out. And I don't know how many he lost throughout the years because it would just fall. Oh, and there'd be like and there'd be like ten grand in that thing. Not, right. not just like. No, you know, three, four hundred bucks, a couple of credit cards. It'd be a stack. A stack. He always <laughs> traveled with a lot of cash. Correct. So he, he, we ended up signing him to a PTO because one of our goalies went down in preseason when I was with the Ontario Reign. It's LA's Kings farm team. So yeah, like all the young guys know that I know Razor, and like they they know the fucking they know the character of Razor because he was fucking. He's a legend. So they're like, hey, did you hear that we signed Razor? I'm like, oh, fucking awesome. Like, I love Razor. And they're like, oh, like, what's he like? And like, they're, it's like sitting around a campfire telling with this old wise tale. So I'm like, oh, the Louis Vuitton Don, because he always fucking had that thing. So sure as shit, he, it took him a few days to get his visa worked out. But like, let's say six days later, um, I, I stroll into the, to the locker room. And I always used to <laughs> go early. And I walk by the trainer's room. And there's a fucking Louis Vuitton fucking Louis Vuitton Don suitcase. Oh, man. This thing was the biggest suitcase I've ever seen in my life. And I go, oh, Razor's here. And sure as shit, he fucking, he was there. And, uh, oh, my God, the guys, the single guys loved, like, he would take them out for fucking dinner every night, the hotel guys. He would take them out to, for a steak dinner every goddamn night. It must have cost him 500 bucks a night for dinner. That's how good of a guy he was. So I'll, I'll, he'll, we always used to laugh about this, so he won't care if I tell his story. So we go out in fucking Binghamton. We have our, our team Halloween party, and it's our – I think it was that year that I was a fucking madman. And um, we go to Halloween as Happy Gilmore and Chubbs, right? <laughs> so I'm right? – so Razor's dressed as Chubbs, and I'm happy. And we look identical to them, right? So we taped a big cast on his arm as fucking Happy Gilmore. And – you know, we go to the bar after, and we're all fucking pickled, and fucking, you know, even you know, it was Halloween party. Start drinking in the afternoon. Well, back in the day, you still don't know what now, but um, anyways, we're and, and you know, we're playing in the minors, and and he's got all the tags still on his golf gear because he wanted to take it back the next day so he gets money back, right? And this guy at the bar kept trying to take the tag off his fucking hat, and you know, he's kind of pissing Razor off. Anyways, the guy gets the fucking tag near the end of the night. And I see the fucking eyes turn on the big boy. I'm like, oh, oh fuck. So in Binghamton, there's like five bars that are connected to each other. And me and Razor, Razor starts chasing this guy out the back door into the front. Like we're chased, and I'm chasing Razor because I know this isn't going to be fucking good. Right. And, and I kind of get caught in the one bar because it's like, you know, there's people everywhere and people are getting pushed. I'm like, fuck. 
I see him chase him into the parking garage. I run upstairs and he's got him pinned against the railing. I'm like, oh my God, I can throw this guy off. And I want, I run and I grab Razor by the back of the shoulders. I yell at the guy. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And the guy runs and Razor turns off. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, fuck you, man. He pushes in. So me and Razor go toe to toe in the fucking parking garage in Binghamton, dressed as happy Gilmore and fucking Chubbs. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, oh, like, landing, bomb? like <laughs> landing bombs? Bombs, but we were going toe to toe in the fucking thing, and then a couple of the boys broke it up, and we're dressed as fucking happy Gilmore and Chubb. Damn, we alligator, bit my hand off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he was probably laughing and staying that when you were hey, walking on the face. Hey, did yeah, he have any funny fuck. stories about Russia? Did he ever talk about his time over there? Uh, yeah, like he said it was wild. He was a like, yeah. wild west. He played over there, didn't you? He said yeah, I played over oh, He lasted a month, and then he was sucking his thumb, and his mom came got him. Yeah, he was over there for a year. He was Well, he played for that Atlant team, which I think is just on the outside of Moscow, but yes. he, you know, yeah. Razor. Razor had to live, you know, in downtown Moscow, right? So, oh. And, you know, yeah. So, you know, he had a – he always talked about his uh, – his, his, he had a personal driver. He always felt like he was <laughs> – he felt like because he was like the only black person in Russia, and he loved it, right? And uh, he's like, you know, I'm pretty unique over here and stuff. And people love me, you know, and stuff, right? I'm the only black guy over here. And uh, uh, so he had a personal driver that would drive him, you know, if you wanted to go to the, you know, movies or if you wanted to go groceries bar or whatever. He had this personal driver that was an ex KGB agent that had like, you know, two handguns in the front seat. And I guess this guy was just an animal. And Razor talked about this guy. He said he was like the fucking man. He said as soon as he would open the, the door and walk to the club, like this, the, the fucking seas parted for this guy. Razor loved him. Whoa. So, oh, hey, hey, and getting yeah. into Russian mega clubs, man, we're talking about like they get, they're going to know your social security number and shit. Like there's only only the billi- billionaires and hundreds of Yeah, yeah. And this guy, I guess this guy was just an animal. He used to drive around. So he always used to talk about the, the – uh, his driver, his personal driver. Yeah, I had a couple of buddies over in Russia, and they had the same thing, and, and, and it was dirt cheap, too. Like, in American dollars, I, he might have been paying more because of this, this guy's status. Oh, you had a driver? Yeah, yeah Vadim, dude. I actually have the funniest <laughs> picture of me and my driver. We're putting it on chicklets. I'm sending it to you, too, right now. You might you might puke laughing at this picture. Grats, I'll, I'll tweet it at you so you can see it too. I don't want to. I don't want to leave you left out. Yeah. Oh man, I can't. I can't wait till we're tell, like, Grinnell puts the story up, and then we're talking about. Is it Vadim? Vadim, V A D I M. Was he nuts? Was he crazy? No, he's literally the nicest guy ever. He fucking loved hockey, and he loved Russia. And they were losing every big game and like international stuff that year, and I was just chirping him. Hey, wait a minute! But would would you get him tickets to the home games? No, he like kind of worked for the team and stuff, so he was like always at the games. He drove more than me. He drove a couple guys. He's always like more money, more money, more money. Like Vadim, I didn't fucking pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he knew you guys were making the big bucks, so he's trying to explain yeah. it. Yeah. Congrats! Um, I wanted to bring up. Um, I know we've kept you a long time. We appreciate this. is This is a plus. Oh, loves it. We're doing him yeah. a favor. I think this is this is a, this is going to be a guy that comes back on. Oh yeah, I know you're a co-host. He's our new co-host. <laughs> All right, fuck. All right, he's going to come after you. That would be a good tilt. Two yeah, punches, man. him punching him, and it's so. <laughs> I want to uh, just say you're coming up on ten years sober, dude, and that's a, that's an amazing feat. So yeah, I'm happy for you, man. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be ten years. Uh, December, beginning of December, December fourth. Yeah, it's been a 
Yeah, it's a fucking long time, man. It's been good. Life's good. That's awesome to yeah, hear. It's been, uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's been good, man. I mean, and then having the opportunity, you know, part of my role with the Flames here is, um, you know, I do the player development side and the hockey side with the kids, but, you know, also being an outlet here for, for you know, if uh, any of the guys have anything going anywhere in the organization, whether it's on the big team, on the, on the American team, or any of the prospects, if they have anything going on that they're, uh, you know, because a lot of guys suffer in silence, man. And I, I was one of the guys that did it. And you guys probably played with guys too that suffered in silence, nobody to talk to, um, and you're and you're struggling. Well, guys in our organization don't have to to feel like that here anymore because we have a you know an ex player that's been you know I lived my life on both sides of the my career on both sides of the fence, right? So I have a lot of experience with you know obviously with 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 the drinking and, and drug issue stuff, you know, and then also with the the uncertainty of, of your career, right? Because I was always the guy at the bottom of the fucking team and you don't know if you're you're here one day, you don't know where you're going to be the next day and the stresses of all that and up and down and waivers and, uh, you know, so I have a lot of experience of, of, of the stresses of the life uh, that we have here. And, um, you know, just to be available for guys, you know, if anybody has anything going on, it's 100% confidential management. And the upper guys do not want to know anything. Or guys, you know, if a guy calls you, like, there's nobody bugging me at the rink. You know, who you talk to, nothing. So it's been, uh, it's been a pretty unique position. You know, we're one of the only teams, or the only team that does it. So I mean, uh, hopefully, it's a thing that will catch on throughout the league. I mean, because you know, it's a hard thing to do as a player when you're when you're struggling away from the rink and you're coming here and you got to fucking have the game face on and, and, and all that stuff, but, but things outside of the rink are not too good. It's a tough way to fucking live. And, 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 and just having the ability or to talk to somebody can go such a long way. And especially somebody that's been through it. You know, I played a long time, you know, got a little bit of credibility on that side where I played a long time. Yeah. That helps you know, too. The guy that fought, fought for not like, who's this guy? And, like people know who the fuck you, know, you are. Yeah. You know, whereas if they were to get a guy that, you know, you know, like I call it like a suit, right? They get one of those guys come in and the boys would be like, who the fuck is this guy? I'm going to talk to him. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, uh, makes me feel pretty good too, knowing that, uh, I could be there for somebody. I mean, uh, it was something I didn't have when I was struggling. Had I had somebody to talk to when I was struggling, fuck, maybe things could have been a lot different and could have been different for a lot of guys in our league that we're struggling with, with, you know, could have been drugs, alcohol, mental health, all this stuff. And you feel trapped with nobody to talk to. Yeah. I feel like it just wasn't like, you know, everyone just kind of didn't do it. And and it's a shame. It's like, no one's really to blame. It's just kind of like, man, why weren't we talking about this stuff sooner? It guys just kind of felt afraid. Yeah. Guy, you're afraid of like the guys chirping you and saying, yo, you're fucking oh pussy. Like, uh, it's such a masculine thing when it's like, there's like that stuff with the boys, but then there's the stuff with like, you know, if I go up and talk to the GM and say, I got a fucking drinking problem. Well, then you're in fear of your job. Yeah. Right. Well, fuck this guy's, this guy's a fucking problem here. This guy's a fucking issue. We got to get somebody else in here. And that's the other fear. Um, whereas what we do here in Calgary, there's, there's multiple open doors here for you. And if you, whatever you have going on, it will not be held against you here. And if you need some time, away from here to go work on yourself 
then you have a whole management group, ownership group, and playing staff that will support you whatever you choose to do. And well, that's congrats. the way our culture is here. And that's the way it should be on 31 other teams or 30 other teams in the league. Grats, it's it's nice to hear that that Calgary's got a good foundation like that, and and it's good to get that perspective because you know there's a lot of people out there that might not know that, but nice to know that the Calgary Flames are, are thinking about guys' lives before their hockey careers. So, um, yeah, Grats, I don't really know how to follow it up other than you were fucking unbelievable on this podcast. We are going to want you to uh, come on again if if you'd like. I'm happy. Oh yeah, you let, happy. Me, you let me know, man. You let I me never know. know. I never know if guys would want to come on, but like, like, oh, yeah. you know. And we and all follow. Is, we all follow it, man. Everybody talks about your fucking podcast. You know how many times I get asked you go and go on spit and chicklets? Like oh, all the time. Well, you've been always. I'm like, I'm just waiting for the boys to fucking call me. Oh, well, and now you have a job on it. They're like, I think, that, yeah. I think that Whitney's still mad. I threatened his life 15 times and called him a little. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Still uh, waiting for that fight, wet and fucking. Let's go, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, congrats. Um, to, best to your family, your your beautiful family. Yeah, missile launch your wife. I don't know how you got her. You fucking. Oh, I know, but and you know what? She's some fucking Hamilton boys. Oh, the hammer. Yes. She's smart. She's good looking. She's got a full rack of teeth. Perfect. You can't find girls like that. Whoa, whoa, you don't find girls like that for Hamilton my own with all her teeth. I don't believe it. Yeah, There's gotta be a missing yeah. one in the back or something. Like that for my hometown, but she's you know she's a keeper. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Love. She probably drinks OV too. It's like saying, oh that yeah, she's a, yeah, she's a health matter. I'm just waiting for her to start. You know, she's you mean she's a nutritionist and she's this she's a fitness fanatic. Hasn't hasn't really time. rubbed. Hasn't really rubbed off on me uh, yet. <laughs> yeah, Jumped on the scale the other day. But I, got, I got some work to do, boys. Had staff hockey this afternoon. I almost had a stroke after my second shift. Fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. buddy. Hey, back to sharpening your twig and just threatening everyone. You'll have t- plenty of space out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, so man. I'll tell you a funny story. So our, our, our massage guy, he started playing hockey two years ago. And – you know, he can barely skate out there, whatever. He's come out, boys, having fun. But I, I missed a couple games, staff hockey games last year because I was going down to see minor league team. And he's chirping me all week, like, fucking you fucking pussy, you keep missing the games. I'm like, Dom, I'm going to fucking get you. I'm going to fucking get you in the next game. So there was like a 50-50 puck, and I let him take it, and I reverse hit him so fucking bad. Helmet off, gloves, stick, just yard sailed him. Still got it, boys. Fucking still a killer. Fucking bring in staff hockey. Yeah, welcome to the big league. And now that's the highlight of your hockey career going forward. (laughs) That's all you have to look forward to, man. man. Just lighten up trainers. Anyway. All right, man. Thank you, Thanks for coming on, buddy. Anytime you want me back, let me know. We'll be in touch. See you, fella. That interview is brought to you by Robin Hood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers to invest for the first time with true confidence. I think it means a lot for somebody to be able to go into it, maybe not know exactly what they're doing, but learn through Robinhood on how to get going in this stock market way of life. It's simple and intuitive, clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. 
the values of Robinhood app begin here and they really never end. There's no commission fees. The other brokerages charge up to $10 for every single trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees at all. Trade stocks and keep all of your profits. It's very easy to use. It's easy to understand charts and market data. Place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. The Robinhood web platform also lets you view stock collections. They have the 100 most popular sectors like entertainment, social media, and curated categories like female CEOs. Shout out to Erica Nardini, the best in the business, and analyst ratings of buy, hold, sell for every stock. Learn how to invest as you build your own portfolio. Discover new stocks and track favorite companies with personalized news feed. Robinhood is where it's at. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at chicklets.robinhood.com. That's chicklets.robinhood.com. Thank you very much to Brian McGratton, one of the toughest, one of the toughest to ever play. Guy was a killer, and we appreciate him coming on. That was a fun conversation. Viz, you guys chucked him, huh? Chucked him twice in one year. Were you, uh, were, you, were you nervous right before that one? Like gloves drop? Like that's one when you're like, all right, this guy can like knock my punch my eyes shut. Yeah, of course. That that was a tough pregame nap that afternoon. Yeah, yeah. If I even had one, um, I'd never fought in Gratz to that point. I told a story in the in the interview about him spearing me in the nuts, and then me telling him never to do it. And then he was like, I'll fucking spear you in the face. And then I shit my diaper. But uh, yeah, I, I, I became a fighter. And, and that was always one of the guys that I feared him. Colt Knorr, uh, Jody Shelley was a scary guy who I, I ended up fighting. That was my first ever fight with the Coyotes. Oh. Uh, but I, I fought him twice in my second to last year. Obviously, the year after that, I was basically forced to retire because I was fucking lost my knees. So, Biz, actually, you should, you, should, you should talk about that for a sec because, you know, after this, this past weekend, we saw uh, Vincent Trocek obviously had a pretty gruesome knee injury. Shout out to him, former Chicklets guest. I love Vinny. Love yeah. Vinny. Yeah, very love sorry him. to hear about that. But, Biz, me and you were texting uh, about your knee injury and, and how you tore your ACL and how it was like your last game. And you should tell a story because I actually think it's a really cool story. Oh, God. Well, it's, it's more self-deprecating like most of my humor. Uh, it actually came up because when Chara got hurt, right away when I saw it, I knew it was going to be MCL. I assumed it was going to be third grade. He's out probably four to six weeks, which means it was a third degree MCL. Well, that's that's how I tore my uh, my knee my last ever game. Well, let's back it up. So in December of my last year, I fought Hagel from uh, the Charlotte Checkers. And in a fight, I ended up like going back to coil on my back foot and I, and I felt the pop and, and it was, it was weird. So I, 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 after the fight, I went to the box in between periods. I, I, I got checked out by a trainer and he's like, ah, oh, I think it might just be like a little uh, MCL. And I was like, oh, okay. So I finished the game. Sure enough, the next day I, I, uh, I went and got it looked at and the do- they had this device where the doctor will move your knee. And um, my other one was moving about like seven millimeters which is still a little bit too much, but the other one was at 17 millimeters. And he's like, dude, he goes, I've never seen one over 15 that hasn't been torn. Like, I think you tore your ACL. And I was like, fuck, are you kidding me? So then I went and got an MRI, tore it. So I knew, so this is right before Christmas, right? So now I'm like, fuck, man, like, is this going to be my last year? Like ACL, like, how am I going to come back from this? I suck as it is. I can't even keep up with these fucking young guys anymore. So that's when I actually met with the Coyotes over Christmas to talk about getting a job the next year. 
Well, what I did was I ended up prehabbing it, is what you're supposed to do before knee surgery anyway, before ACL. So it gets the swelling down, gets all the muscles firing again around it, and then you have surgery that way. It helps you recover a little bit easier. Yeah. Well, I decided, you know what, I'm going to prehab it, and I'm going to give it one more go. So I prehab it for about six weeks. Playing in a game, I last like two shifts because it skipped out on me. I come back to the room. I end up talking to the trainer. He's like, let's prehab it for another six weeks. Let's give it one more shake. And I'm like, you know what? Sure. It's my last year. Yeah. So I prehab it a little bit better this time. Okay. A little harder. Well, just like it it, it felt a little better going in. It was a little stronger. It just just worked out better. So we're in San Jose to pay the Barracuda. And this is my this is, yeah, the miners, the, the jungle. So a 20 hour bus ride and fucking hop out there. No, but, uh, so that was my first game back. Well, first period, I'm going for a, a loose puck, uh, a loose puck and Stortini comes and hits me on my other knee and it just folds in. And, 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 and it felt weird and it felt like the last one I did. And it was the other knee. No. So, so I start skating back up because I got the puck out. Not a big deal. Good defensive play. Reliable. Uh, and, and my leg was kind of skipping out. And sure enough, the whistle goes. And I go to the bench. And I, I look at my trainer. I go, Mirza, you're not going to believe this. I said, I think I just tore my other ACL. And he goes, oh my are God, you fucking dude. kidding me? He goes, you got to be kidding. So I, we, I, I go on the bench. There, it was towards the end of the first period. Period ends. I go to the locker room, take off my knee pad. The guys can see the look on my face, and they're like, oh, shit, like, no way. Like, that's the other knee? So I go to the training room. He moves around. And he goes, holy fuck, dude. He goes, I think you're right. He goes, I think you did eight, uh, at your MCL, too. So he goes, what do you want to do? I said, well, this is it. This is the last game. So I fucking strapped my shit back on. I went out there. Sortini hit me in the second period. I said, let's go. And I ended up fighting Storts on two torn ACLs. No, you didn't. Yeah, the, the video's up there. And, Dude, you're and, savage. and I, and I, and I actually finished off the, the game and I had, I, I created a couple scoring chances, one that would have tied the game and my line mate didn't bury, but dude, like, it, and, and it wasn't one of those things where I was like, like in major pain, like a broken ankle. Yeah, yeah. Obviously it felt like shit. Cause I was like Bambi out there. I must've fell 50 times in the rest of the game. I could barely stand up. As opposed but to was, the usual 20. But, but I'm like, man, this is it. Like, this is, this is, this is the end. Like I, I ain't fucking going to take my gear off, and and it, and it was emotional, and 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 the guys knew all the guys were coming in after. Um, my coach came in and and he kind of started crying, and he's as fucking tough, Mike Souther. He's as tough as they come, and he he just came up and he he couldn't even say anything. He was just like crying, like I'm crying right now, and it was emotional. Yeah, and, dude, uh, that's an incredible. St- that's going out biz with so much pride and so much like honor for your teammates and the game. It's the best game in the world and it's all we ever knew. And to, to know that that was it and you saying, fuck this, I don't care if I'm on one leg yeah. and you had nothing going, you go out there. That Not only do you go out there and finish, you fight. Yeah, it starts, I mean, you're starts, just, like, starts fed me pretty good that game. And he, he's a great dude. They, they used to call him Huggy Bear in Edmonton, but he's a, he's a great guy off the ice. And uh, it, it was, a, it was a, a spirited little scrap, but he got me with a couple bombs. More, more importantly, Biz, did you get a notch that night? <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. I That's why he really hobbled. goes out. I hobbled to my uh, 
to my fucking hotel room. I think the elevators were down too. So I had fucking, oh, had a hoof I had, I had ice on both knees, like waddling up the stairs. Like we were playing in a back to back, like, like, but now saying that it was emotional, but you guys know me. Like I was like the butt of all the jokes, like just fucking, they were like calling me like Timmy, Timmy, like when I was getting on the bus and shit. So, you know, like, I made the best of it. And, and, and the, the guys in Ontario were unbelievable. The trainers were great. Like, the organization was great. Everything about it. It, it was it was the way to go out, and and, uh, and I thank them for everything that they did. I got to win a Calder Cup, man. It was you, that was the did, peak of it for me. Did you throw like a, like you must have had just monster knee braces on to finish that game? Like couldn't you? Oh, I, I had the tape. Well, I had a knee brace for my right because that's the first one I tore. But my left one, they were like fucking duct tape. Just go because I didn't have a brace, right? But it was – I would love to get the game tape and count how many times I fell after I'd torn my other one. And, and by the way, when I tore that one, it was MCL gone and ACL. So the, le- the knee literally just folded in, and I, I, I bruised my meniscus really bad, like bone boost style on the, on the outside. So, yeah, I, I, I actually haven't gotten surgery on my right because I had to take care of the left one first. Is it, are they still real sore, Paul? I know you just said you didn't get one fixed. Did they hurt? Oh, like dude, on a day herbal day? active, buddy. You heard of it? Oh, oh quick plug. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> All oh, of a sudden, funny. people with torn ACLs are going to be like, Doc, yeah. no, I don't need surgery. I got herbal yeah. active. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah that, was, that, was, that was the end of the career, boys. That was it. That was all she wrote. I, I don't know how I've never heard that story, but that's an all-timer. That yeah, really that, is. A, that's a hell of a way to go and out. It, and you know what? It makes me feel like shit because I just quit in the middle of the game. I literally <laughs> couldn't skate. I quit in the middle of the game. It was minus two in the first period of three, and I go, Coach, I'm done. I'm going to sit here. I sat there and just rooted on the boys. And, uh, yeah, that was it. I didn't go out and fight anyone. I didn't even go back You're on the wired. ice. If I had your bank account, I would have been. I would have had bionic knees, but that's other than that. I I, I probably wouldn't have finished either. But nah, it was just a fun way to go out, and, and we had a good chuckle. What I meant to. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bisbee. Done. Oh no, I was done, buddy. I was done. Wait. So uh, one of our listeners, actually, my my good buddy Mark, he he found the uh, the the picture of the bench or the video of the bench during uh, Niall Yakupov celebration we were talking about, and everyone's like all high fiving. You know, just sitting on the bench, like leaning over, like like kind of like look at this ridiculousness. I, I'll find it and send it to you. My fucking one of my one of my buddies actually tracked it down. I remember being, oh my god, you guys! Kutcher just scored the sickest goal. He walked Adam Larson. Adam oh, Larson's god. taking it on the Things chin. Go this bad or worse. He just walked Adam Larson and then just went bar down three two or three two San Jose with forty seconds left in the second, and the Wit Dogs got the over. Oh, uh, speaking of that game, Connor McDavid. Uh, Got his hundredth career goal. Uh, he was the one, two, three, four, seventh fewest games to a hundred goals. Uh, Connor McDavid. Excuse me. Excuse me. Connor McDavid. McDavid. Yeah, McDavid. Eh? Connor, McDavid <laughs> Connor McDavid. The seventh fewest games. Uh, also the fourth youngest to do so. Uh, Ovechkin did it in 167 games. It took Connor McDavid 230 games. And also Jumbo Joe. Uh, let's see. He tied Mario Lemieux for uh, 11th all-time in assists in the same game last night. So. You know, some big goings on with uh, some big names in the league last night. What's up, Biz? Also, we forgot to give a shout-out to Claude Giroux, who had a 700th point. Uh, and then somebody commented on the Instagram that, that we forgot to mention it. But also, uh, Gretzky did it when he was 23. He got to his 700th point. That's how fucking crazy all the Gretzky stats are. Guys, before we go any further, I just want to remind everyone that this episode is brought to you by Quip. 
When you think of the perfect gift, you probably don't think of an electric toothbrush, but you're foolish if you're not. The Quip Electric Toothbrush is one of the most gift-guided gifts of the season, and here's why. Gift-guided gifts coming at you. It's perfect for everyone with a mouth. (laughs) Everyone has a mouth, and it's something they'll use twice every single day. Sensitive sonic vibrations, gentle enough on your sensitive little gums, and a built-in timer with guiding pulses to remind you when to switch sides. Quip makes holiday travels clean and easy with a multi-use cover that mounts to mirrors and unmounts to slide over the bristles for on-the-go brushing. Quip doesn't require a clunky charger and run for three months on one charge. Quip is the gift that keeps refreshing with brush heads automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5. And you can even gift prepaid refills for a year to make sure they're never using old, worn out, ineffective bristles. That's why I love Quip. It's so easy and it tells you exactly when to switch. I don't need to think. I don't need to use my brain when I'm brushing my jibs. It's just Quip is where it's at. Quip looks like a big ticket tech gift with stocking stuffer price starting at just 25 bucks. And if you Go to getquip.com slash chicklets right now. You'll get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush, but you don't have to get your gifty that. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash chicklets. Getquip.com slash chicklets. Do it now. Um, another thing that we have to talk about because they took abuse for a long time when they were in the shit sandwich of the league, uh, the Buffalo Sabres are hot. Six wins in a row. So seven hot. of their last eight. Let's Everybody's contribu- contributing. Grinnell's broken it right now. Oh yeah, he's got the herbal active all over his cock, just fucking <laughs> giving it. Um, and the teams that they've beaten in that that span, Grinnell. That's that's even more impressive. I think they've beaten Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, uh, anyone. Winnipeg they beat. So they've been beating some good teams. That was a character comeback against the Pens. They were down four uh, one. Ended up beating them 5-4 in OT, correct, Grinnell? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you're starting – Rasmus Dahlin's starting to come into his own. So we have a – they're a wagon, boys. They're an absolute wagon. They, I'm a they, genius. I'm a genius. I wouldn't go over there because you didn't make the pick. Someone told you to make the pick. You're not a genius. You're just a really good producer and a hardworking kid, but the genius is a little, <laughs> a little, a little aggressive. Uh, I do think – People, people are the Buffalo fans were furious at us for not bringing them up last podcast. I mean, and and since what's happened since they've just kept winning. So now it's even better that we're talking about them. That fan base is great. When they were good, that place is awesome. Chippewa they were good even when they were bad, man. That's a loyal fan. Yeah, yeah, and they love and they love it. So I think that when they come home from this trip, I think they're playing on uh, Wednesday night, night Thanksgiving Eve. That place will be rocking. But their team is fun to watch because there's no quit. You can tell it's a bunch of young guys that I think they love Phil Housley. Eichel's celebration um, in overtime was – that showed me a lot. I know that sounds kind of goofy, but his, his elation and how fired up he was, and it showed like this team is in it. Like they're all close, and he I, – I don't think I've ever seen him really celebrate like that. It was just pure emotion of being jacked up for getting the OT winner in Pittsburgh. Um, and talk about having young guys who can who can make you know, a huge difference. Like this Casey Middlestad probably hasn't gotten a ton of love, but if you watch him, he's going to get better and better and better. He's a high pick with crazy skill. People think he's like tiny. He's like 6'1", 205. Strong kid. Um, 
they've just done a good job building that team. And Carter Hutton has been so good. I've actually heard some pretty great things about Carter Hutton's character. He's fucking hilarious too. I I heard about his character, I guess like in uh, St. Louis when Jake Allen would be struggling, like he'd come out of some struggles because Carter Hutton would be there like helping him, helping him get out of it. And, you know, usually the backup goalie and the goalie, they have a good relationship for the most part, but you can't say a backup doesn't wish they were playing. That's just usually the case. And he was always like great with with, uh, Allen when he was struggling. So I think having him in the room is, him, him playing goalie's been great, but he just seems like one of the best guys too, from what I hear. So that's another big, big point for the Sabers. It's, I mean, I like watching them; I really do. And they've just done a great job of bringing in kids who can play and drafting well, and who like to play with each other too. I mean, you mentioned it before, Wit. They, they, they keep talking about how much these guys love to play with each other, how close they are off the ice, and I think that's so big in hockey, and it's not talked about enough. Yeah, but I also, I also, it's, it's like. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Because everyone says that about winning teams. Does winning teams make everyone love each other, or does everyone loving each other make you win? It's, it's. A, I mean, you, there's no right answer. It's just you're all you'll always wonder. I mean, I think they're having a blast because they're winning games against teams that nobody thought they'd be able to beat before the year. Like you said, and a big reason behind that is uh, the play of Kata Hutton lately. He's been on a tear. I mean, I'm looking at a save percentage from the last few games at a thousand nine two three nine six seven nine six two. I mean, those are the fantastic numbers. I don't know if he's going to keep it up at this level, but for right now, the, the team's leaning on him, and even their backup line, Linus Ulmark, that he's got a what nine two two save percentage, two six five. Those are pretty respectable numbers from from a backup. And of course, uh, our buddy Jack Eichel, man. I mean, he's he's fucking tearing it up. I know Grinelli probably has his stats tattooed on his arm, but five goals, 19 assists, uh, 24 points in just 21 games played. Uh, this is what, what we've been expecting out of him uh, without all the high ankle sprain, uh, high ankle sprain injury he had. Remember that, you know, yeah. kind of fucked him the last couple of years. He, he, he really wasn't a, himself at 100%. Uh, now that he was going, went into the year perfectly healthy, like he told us back in August, we're seeing how good of a player he is, how dominant he could be. And uh, it's fun to watch, man. He's a local kid. He's a good kid. He was on the show and, you know, I'm a, I'm not a Sabres fan per se, but I certainly like wow, watching him do well. Yeah, he uh, he's very he's very fun, and we got to mention Jeff Skinner, who's a UFA. Uh, he's gonna get he's gonna get paid, but he's been he's been phenomenal since he got there. Um, Fourteen goals. He's but, like, even the Sabres, like, I was talking – I've mentioned my, my good buddy growing up, uh, Steve Grilly. He's the assistant coach, assistant GM of the Sabres. So he was telling me – you know, I talked to him about the team and what's going on there. They're obviously fired up. But they even have – he was talking to me about a, a guy they signed, um, Lawrence Pilot, I believe his name is. He's from Sweden, undrafted. They, they, they signed him. Uh, I think he's a 95 birth date, and he's leading the AHL in – defense scoring he's got over a point per game so that's like another guy like that and who knows if this kid will end up being at the nhl level uh legit contributor but still that's just getting prospects not even from the draft but finding guys who are undrafted and and having another young player in the system just to add to the depth so good things for sabers fans they're fired up people will be crushing each other on chippewa street they don't care uh, i think it'll be fabulous we got to get up there that'd be a big, big big chiclet city Hey, you mentioned you mentioned depth as well too. Can't forget about Patrick Berglund. He's like close to sixty percent on faceoffs. He helps the penalty kill kill out. You got Vladimir Saboka, who was also in St. Louis at some point. They have a bit of a winning pedigree. Um, one surprise though, I thought that Evan Rodriguez would be doing more because when I watched him play when I was with the uh, last year with the Yotes when we were I was traveling around, 
he was fucking buzzing out there. I, I'm still waiting for him yeah. to come out of his shell. He hasn't scored a goal this year in 15 games. Maybe that's because he's gotten bumped down the roster a little yeah, bit. I but, think a little but bit nonetheless, of uh, nonetheless, Connor Sheary's also contributed nicely there. He's coming comes as well from the winning pedigree. So just adding those those other guys around the lineup who have who have been able to do it. And shout out to Zach Bogosian as well. He's actually been he scored a couple big goals for them recently, and uh, he's been there a while for a lot of the pain. So for any hey. of you fans thinking, you know. Why are we dedicating so much time to a team like Buffalo? Well, not only are they winning right now, but for a team who's taken so much abuse online with all these memes they make of all the teams that lose all, like for who gets shit kicked the last couple of years, I just feel like we have to compensate for that. Yeah, Zach Bogosian's a street beast, by the way. That dude's a savage. He, uh, I heard a funny story. His brother, uh, I don't know if he, he is a Navy SEAL now. He was near the end of becoming a Navy SEAL. And apparently, like, they don't, like, they can't even get on the phone. Or I, I'm kind of butchering the story. But either way, the guys in charge at the Navy SEALs told them, hey, if your brother fights tonight, you guys get, like, something off tomorrow. But it was basically, like, how am I going to get in touch with him to, like, make sure he fights? And I don't know how it ended up happening. I think he got on the computer and sent an email or called his mom. And somehow, um, Bogosian got word and then chucked him that night, like, <laughs> I guess at the end of the game, he's like, hey, dude, I got to do this. My brother gets a day off if I fight. Like, and so, like, you know, the he's Navy. Fight, he's guys. fighting Eichel. He's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> he's like, I fought someone. <laughs> I, I got you, bro. I got you out in, out in San Diego. Grabs the linesman, like Weidman. I mean, wait. What? Dude, uh, I also heard an unreal story. About, out, like out in San Diego, like at phase three, I guess, they go out to like this, like kind of an island and it's just them like working on everything. And the guys that are like, you know, working that are already are Navy SEALs, the guys, the, the train, I don't know what you're going to call them. Not the trainers, just like the guys who are in charge. They'll just hit golf balls like off a mat and they'll be like, go get them. <laughs> like out in the Pacific Ocean. Guys like dirt. <laughs> out there looking for a Titleist Pro V1X. Oh, uh, speaking of, uh, or uh, let me not do that. Three, two, one. Oh, and boys, uh, we have to talk about the fact that uh, Colorado Avalanche scored the OT winner the other night, and it must have been cutting into their bar time because they sprinted off the ice because they had rookie party Did in they? Hollywood. Yeah, they, they they scored the OT winner in Anaheim. I believe it was uh, what's this kid? What's this kid's name? Fuck, I, how do I forget it? Rantanen. He scored a big clap bomb set up by McKinnon, and they just go celebrate, and they sprinted off the ice, and they ended up going out in Hollywood a couple of nights, so they had a good time. So shout out to the Colorado Avalanche for, for selly season in style, right we, to the club. We won, um, we won in Florida one time for one of the Pittsburgh rookie parties. Did I ever tell the story on here on what Yarko Rutu did to me? No. Have I ever told this, Grinelli? No. no, you haven't. Let's hear it. Oh my God, dude. So we, it, it actually ended up being a little Bush league because mm-hmm. we didn't really have time to like go get a sick rookie club, rookie party dinner and then go to like the club. So we were like, let's just get a sick meal brought into the arena, like world-class meal. We'll eat it in the arena and then we'll go right out. So we won't have to, you know, it'll be quicker. We'll have more time at the bar. And uh, so, <laughs> so like a couple months earlier, um, I got like a phone call and like some like girl was on the other end and like, but then like she hung up and then was texting me like, yeah, we met, we met like so-and-so such and such time. And then like starts talking like dirty and dirty and dirty. And over time I'm like, who is this girl? And then she'd like call and I'd answer, but like then they'd hang up and I was like writing stuff back. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, like at rookie party, Rue two is like, I got to read something and starts reading a convo. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> Dude, this sounds weird, really familiar. 
he was doing it the entire time. It was this sickle, Yarko Rutu, for like two months. He was like catfishing me. And he was saying dirty things. I'm like, dude, you were writing that stuff to me? Like, I almost now, like, don't, what are you? Are you bi? And you, you were throwing yourself around the room probably. Listen to them. Like, oh, dude, no. Guys were crying, hey, laughing, listening to what I was it? No, I don't think I did. I don't. Uh, ah, bullshit. 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 <laughs> videos. I'm a video guy. I'm a video guy. But either way, Yarko Ruto start when I, he read like the first text, he had it printed out. And I was just like, my, I was just like my face, by the way, I have a man rocket shirt on. I look phenomenal in it. Uh, Grinelli, you can show this video, my face. I just went like, Oh shit. <laughs> this is my conversation. <laughs> did you tell anyone until the end or did he tell everyone? <laughs> Oh, I just started, like, I tried to get ahead of it. I'm like, you motherfucker. You motherfucker. Can't believe hey, who was loving it the most? Everyone was loving it. I remember Orp was loving it. Because oh, Orp's, the, Orp biggest, Orp's the biggest potster. So he, I think he knew the whole time what Ruto was doing. It was just so classic. God, I miss playing. I texted Teddy uh, on the ride home. We were just shooting the shit. Actually, he texted me. He's like, Russians hate us. Let's just keep giving it to him online. <laughs> oh, speaking of that. I got a message from a Russian reporter on Instagram. I did too. I did too. I got to listen to this text. I didn't even play there. I was like, I I don't know. I'm not the one saying shit, lady. I just asked the questions around here. It almost like had me a little worried. Hello, Ryan. This is so-and-so. I'm a Russian sports journalist. There's big fuss now in Russia about your words on Russian women that you said in, in May in Spit and Chicklets oh, podcast. there aren't hookers in the lobby when Can't the guy we talk the about it. I'm like, dude, what did I say? Break. That they're either a 10 or a point two? Like, what do you want me to say on that? That's my comment. Just write it down. <laughs> yeah, like, just take our audio. Just quote, quote me. Hit the, hit the quotation marks. Oh, shit. Well, yeah, so... Uh, Teddy said something. So we were, we were just chatting, and I was like, dude, how you been, blah, blah. I'm like, do you miss the game? He's like, no, I miss the paychecks. <laughs> uh, all right, I, I need to ask you about that crazy parlay bet that somebody sent you. Yeah, man. Uh, it's funny because th- it was a uh, – it was. let me see. I got it right here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams. And this person did the – well, the, the opposite puck line from what me and Witch usually play. This person played – one uh, plus 1.5 goals on each thing. And they laid the, the juice. I mean, the juice is minus 250, minus 255, minus 270. But he picked seven fucking teams. Uh, he put $4,000 down. That's a pretty good size nut to put down for a poly. And he hit it. He won $54,000 on a $4,000 poly. Like I said, he, he picked all favorites, getting a goal and a half. But still, 7-0 and is 7-0, and man. You got to tip your cap to whoever this fellow is. I don't know if it's the guy who tweeted it out. I'm not going to say names just in case. Uh, but if you can go 7-0 and in any sport, I don't care if you're picking large favorites and getting uh, points with them. And what's incredible about it is one of the games, one of the teams he had, he had the Flyers uh, plus the goal and a half. They were losing 5-1 to one that that game. It was Saturday. And I know because I, I bet the fucking lightning. I was laying the goal and a half. I went out for a walk. It was 5-1. I was practically counting my money. I come home, saw the final. It was 6-5. Flyers come back, tied it up. Tampa ends up winning in overtime. But this guy was within a whisker of losing just that game, not to mention a couple other ones that are close. But, uh, again, uh, tip of the nice hat to hit. this dude. Nice $4,000 play, play down. He got 54 fucking K back. And I guess one more thing. With, uh, as far as the uh, plus what, 1.5, someone tried to cheer at me. Oh, I thought that's a shitty bet. I'm like, buddy, this is a poly. I, I mean, when we talk about flat bets, yeah, I, I don't think it's a good bet. But when you're picking seven in a poly, that's, that's a different situation. Yeah, I would, ne- I would never make that bet. 
Ever. That's an insane bet. And, and what's even more insane about it is that he put 4K down on it. I've seen people make parlay bets like that, but they're putting like 20 bucks to win like 1500 Yeah. That's, that's a lot of jam, and, and I don't care. Uh, I, mean, I would assume this guy's got a pretty big bankroll, but nonetheless, that's a, that's a, a jam bet. Hey, did uh, you guys see um, me and Grinelli got loaded in New York City? I was crushed, Grinelli. Oh, let's like, talk what about ha- what happened. Bet. What happened? Like, yeah, we were we were pretty fucked up. I wasn't. I, we, I, was, I just had beer. Yeah, we well, drank that's all it takes. You, you yeah, drank, like legitimately a million beers, and you had been drinking before you had even got to yeah, where. That's we true because we went to the we went to the Rangers game. Well, let's Rangers talk game. about why you got so excited. Because I I'm I'm finally on a heater. I got crushed, crushed, crushed. Like was gonna quit, and I was like, I'm not going down w- without a fight. Um, I'm not a quitter. And so I went and I uh, hammered the Rams. I had a minus two and a half. So we're watching that game. We're watching that game. And then finally they covered at the end. I went bananas. I threw my drink up in the air. People are like, why are you wasting a drink? Well, I'd had 36 of them. I didn't need the 37th and a half that was left in that mug. But I also, for everyone out there, chirped me, oh, yeah, you got to clean up. That's rude. I went and got I went and got uh, three-inch napkins, and I got 600 of them, and I sat on my hands and knees in the bar and cleaned up, enough to the point where Grinelli said, dude, it's a wooden floor. No one cares. There's nobody in here. But I still had the honor of cleaning up my mess from my big-ass celebration for the Rams taking me to the promised land. I also had the Flames who crushed the the, uh, Golden Knights, and I also had the Jets who put a beating on the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, so so you're on a a three-game heater? Yeah, and I have the over tonight. I need one more for the push in the third, two for the win. So I'm, I'm, I'm staying up for the next. Uh, what bar we at? Uh, we're at a place called the Gem Saloon. It was a great little bar. Oh, yeah, that's the place that, yeah, that's inspired by the bar in Deadwood. I know you probably never watched Deadwood, the great HBO show, but that's the name of the saloon on Deadwood, the Gem. Oh, really? Great, great, yeah. great TV scene, great bar, big wraparound bar, just a hell of a spot. There were some bars, barstool people there we were hanging with. Mikey was there. Um it was a blast, but I mean, I'll tell you something. I was just crushed. And then, like, obviously, it's like two thirty in the morning. I got to get a car home, and I'm like, oh, "Black car's a hundred dollars right now." Well, got to take it. Chirp the Ottawa Senators for being an UberX Toyota Corolla. So I took the hour hour. I took the hundred dollar black car ride home. Took seven minutes. <laughs> Uh, it was like a Bentley. It was like a Bentley that it was a up. money car. I go, I was in the car. I'm like, dude, this is a money car. He's like, thanks. And then I was like, seriously, like, I love it. He's like, and then he's, you bought was, it instead of the Uber annoying me by talking to me. I was annoying the Uber. <laughs> oh, I love, but I love talking to Ubers. I've gotten a bad. I, actually, one of the saddest stories I've ever heard from an Uber. I'll save it for another episode. Uh, a few things I want to mention: the Patrick Kane celebration. I didn't realize it was the heartbreaker. Yeah, neither did I. Oh, buddy, I thought it was better before. Uh, before, as yeah. uh, compared to the Theo Fleury, buddy, that is insane that he did that. That's that he, one had, of the- that he had like the, to think to do that at that point is sick. It's insane. So I, I definitely think I got it right with that one. I think I should have went with Stevie Y on the other one as opposed to when Gretzky broke the goal record just because of the emotion. Uh, one other thing to mention, Grinnell, you uh, blogged about the Cujo book and, and what he's been through. Uh, there's uh, Cujo released a book uh, written by Kirstie McClellan, and she sent me it, and we're going to have him on in uh, – probably end of December, maybe early January. He, uh, he's excited to come on. His, his kids are, are big fans of the podcast. 
Uh, I, I'm obviously going to read the book before it comes, uh, comes on. I'll try to get you guys a copy as well. I know you're a big reader, RA. Uh, we'll get you the book on tape, uh, wit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, what a story though. I mean, Curtis, Dude, I had no clue. Grew up no clue. A mental institution. I mean, that's, that's absolutely insane with drug addicted parents. I mean, that's, that's crazy. And he said like, I, I didn't get a lot of like love, like in terms of hugs and kisses growing up, but like, he still seemed very, you oh, know, he's well adjusted. He yeah, loves his children and he's very emotional. He's the opposite. He has a right to be. In a good way, in a good way. Of course, I wasn't being, yeah. It's which Nashville not covering the puck line fucking Monday. It was about an eight dime swing for me. That was a tough oh. one to swallow. I, uh, I, like I said, I was at the Rangers and then I wasn't really, then I had the football game going, but that, that hurts. That did you, hurts. Did you happen to see the, um, the ticket I texted you guys last night? The Aaron, Aaron Donald ticket. Did you happen to read that? Yeah, I saw that. I don't, I, I he's the, he's like the menacing defensive lineman for the Rams. Yeah. How um, many is he leading the league right now? He is. I, it's funny. I put the ticket and I, I bet him at the beginning of the year, uh, the, the guy in the Rams to lead the league in sacks, uh, 25 to one, pretty nice odds. And I kind of forgot about it. And then, I saw Tyler, uh, who does the mixtape podcast. I saw him tweet that he's leading the league, and I looked. He's up. He has fourteen and a half sacks. He has a three sack lead. With uh, he's, well, the Rams got five games left. So if he hangs on, man, if I'm, he averages one a game, I think you're going to be okay. Exactly, and as long as nobody yep. has a monster, a monster, um, you know, day underneath him, I'm looking. You're, at you're nice, wary. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I apologize. No, I'm. Uh, if it comes to him, looking at a nice little f- five figure uh, cup. But yeah, my worry is what injury is that? What you're going to say? No, I think your worry is that he maybe gets some rest because they've got everything pretty much locked up. Yeah. So you know, maybe I don't think you said a guy two games, but there could be one game that he doesn't play at the end. Hey, what, how come – and I should know this, but I, I haven't been paying much attention to the NFL. How did the Rams and Chiefs play one more game than everybody else? Because I know they played Monday night, but that's well, the end. They haven't had their bye week yet. Is that Okay, yeah. I, I've, I've been kind of tapped out the last couple of weeks. I, I noticed they, it was only, they were the only two teams that played. I'm yeah, but that, that was like – boys for, for someone who I know – Bets, gambles, watches sports. That was like the dumbest question in the world. Like they have boys. Uh, is there anything else we should cover? Uh, yeah, um, our buddy here in Boston, uh, Patrice Bergeron. We got the report on his injury. He's got uh, a rib and sternoclavicular in, in, uh, injury. That's where your sternum and your clavicle kind of meet up by your collarbone. Uh, he was tied seventh in scoring in 19 games. He had 26 points. Unfortunately, they're going to take another look at him in a month. That's not good news for us here in Boston. Uh, he's the hot and soul of that team. Uh, not only offensively, what he does everywhere else for the Bruins, it's going to be a tough loss to overcome, but you got to hope everyone picks up the slack. Meanwhile, they did call up Colby Cave from Providence, and if that's not the best uh, ultimate porn name, for a guy or a girl, Colby Cave, then I don't know what is. Colby Cave, your face in if he was tough. Colby Cave for a girl would be, but would be better because, like, obviously, like her pussy's like a cave. Well, what well is, but is or a guy who caves it, or the guy who caves it in. So, so that's oh, okay. Well, hey, who, who, I thought about Paul. What is it? Uh, it's it's your first name. I'm more of a half empty, half full, or half empty. I'm more of a half full kind of guy. First name and then. First name and then the street you grew up on. That's yeah, your poor name, right? Hey, mine's Albert Gadsby. Not bad. That sounds like a guy who oh, you could do great Gadsby porn. Yeah, 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 that would be unbelievable. And you just whip out your wrench. Mine is Ryan Vernon. <laughs> That's Not just bad. So, like, hey, look at Ryan Vernon. That guy's just ripped. He always gets the hot ones whenever they film. And then like Grinelli's the <laughs> Grinelli's the kid who like they make him wear condoms in the porn. Oh no no he <laughs> the little boy ones that that are popular now where like the the yeah, older yeah. woman uh, like like has her her friend's kid over and like, he's not home yet. Okay. Yeah, it's like, like oh, he's going to be around on the shoulders. Hour. 
And then, and then, then all of a sudden, he's taking a shower for whatever reason. Then she goes in and starts sucking his cock off. That used to be my that used to be my drunk argument was that I I would do porn if you didn't show my face. Yeah, dude, who wouldn't? Well, they know they notice my big ship on my ribs and my they, shitty. They, like, they, they, not, they notice my spare tire and like my hairy shoulders. Hey, I want to give a, a shout out to a longtime friend of the stool and a buddy of mine at Bernaldo. He came up with the Whitney Zone instead of the Newman Zone uh, Pink Lemonade. It was we tweeted it out from the account. I'm sure most of the listeners saw it. it he basically redesigned the Newman Zone with Whitney. Uh, hundred contains a hundred percent pigeon, I believe it said. It's a great little graphic. It uh, could be appearing in T-shirt form uh, at a Boss Tool store near you. So keep your eyes peeled for that as well. I tell you, I saw like he 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 wrote a tweet. Uh, I didn't do anything to your left ear. If he didn't do anything to my left ear, I might honestly go get it pinned back because it's just. Well, I just cut it, it off it's since getting, you're on Ambien right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's getting out of this world, this left ear. I look in the mirror and it's just. I saw some Instagram thing where it's like, if you have insecurities about things, get them out into the world and you, you'll feel lighter. And like, I'm just trying to tell you people, I see my left ear. All I see in the mirror is that goddamn left ear sticking out. So for everyone else who notices it, just you can let me have it. I almost need to hear it just to keep reminding me every day. You can't get too big for your britches wit. You got money. You got the beautiful wife. You got the baby. You got the big house where the internet sometimes doesn't work and my TV's broken right now, but you'll always have that big fucking ear sticking out. Get a job at SETI. By the way, Wits, uh, 3 3 in the hockey game. There's your own. I swear. Yep. yep. Uh, there, is, there is the guaranteed over Wits on fire. All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, my ambient's starting to kick in, so now this is the fun part. <laughs> this is when I go spend, like, way too much money online shopping and wake up, have no recollection of what I bought, then just packages start showing up in the next week. Um, but uh, hey, a, mail, a mail order bride shows up at the door. Your wife like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and oh, you're like, oh. I meant to send her to, uh, to another address. God damn it. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, yeah, so Thanksgiving, guys. You'll be listening to this on Thanksgiving. And I'd say we're so thankful for all the listeners. I know we say it quite often or we try to, but uh, Thanksgiving's my favorite holiday. People who say they don't like it, you can go kick rocks, you pigeons. It's a hell of a, hell of a day because you sit around, you don't have any stress about buying presents, you crush food, then you take a nap and you watch football the entire time. And the heater I'm on, I'll probably go three and all, be just banking it in, we'll crush some red wine. And, you know, the second serving in Thanksgiving is my favorite. You really figure out what wasn't that good in the first go around. So happy Thanksgiving to you guys. I love you all. And um, thanks for listening. Buy some ugly sweaters. Buy some ugly sweaters. I'm wearing one right now. Man rocket. Everybody, I have, have a great uh, Thanksgiving to all our American listeners and our Canadian listeners. Have a great weekend. And uh, unfortunately, which there's no hockey to bet on Thursday, but that's just good because the NHL doesn't make their players work on Thanksgiving or Christmas. Oh, quick shot at the the NFL. We're the best league in the world. We really are. Imagine being in the NBA and making all those millions, but still knowing you're a bitch. (laughs) All right, guys. Peace out.